Great job. Great. All right. Welcome back to the BFR podcast. Today we got a special guest. A um, special, special guest. Not special like that. Um, maybe. But, <laughs> maybe we will find out. We'll find out by the end of the, uh, of the episode. We'll get there. Yeah, uh, guys. I think Chip had autism. <laughs> Chip White. Chip White. Chip White. Chip White. If that sounds familiar to you. That, that's crazy. You need to get a life, right? Yeah, <laughs> that is, absolutely. You've been frequencing IMDb or... But um, Chip White, man, uh, he is a producer, um, founder, co-founder of Stack 3 Productions. Founder, yeah. Yeah, founder of Stack 3 Productions. Um, a long, long history in Hollywood and the world of production, the world of entertainment. Um, if I uh, Googled Mr. Hollywood, I imagine he'd look like Chip. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen him with you should have seen him with hair and a and a goatee. He looked like Willie Nelson a little bit. Okay. Um, but he's also Vanna White's brother. There you go. That's crazy. Vanna White's brother. What is it like being Vanna White's brother? Yeah, like tell us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being uh, probably your brother. I mean, really? are, you, are you She's Mexican? <laughs> She is. Uh, She's on Xanax right now. <laughs> Adderall. Um, she, you know, she's super sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely generous in their love and support. But and, as far as the notoriety, though, like mm. you know, being with her, uh, be, you know, in, in public places, it's not as crazy as it was in the eighties and nineties. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I've been doing it forty years. But in, but in the 80s or late 80s, early 90s, I mean, the, the show was huge. So you really couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I loved walking through the airport because mm-hmm. she walks really fast. Mm-hmm. Like she has somewhere to go. And you're walking and you're and you're watching the person in front and you're watching their eyes and you're watching as, as they pass. The, like, who is that? Right. And, and then she's gone by the time you look back. And by the time they realize yeah. it. <laughs> and she's already like, no. So it's always fun to kind of watch watch that happen. Oh, or, that that's a different kind of fame, right? Because some people you notice them instantly, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, um, but it's but also crazy her. how many people recognize. I mean, she she'll go out all the time with no makeup, hair in a ponytail, mm-hmm. cap. Oh, and just how many people? How many people recognize her off the bat? Wow. Without them, like. Because you know, I'm, I probably wouldn't recognize that's her. In, that's incredible. So your your entire childhood, you grew up with Vanna White. I did. That's incredible. Did. You, and, and he's not on here because he's Vanna White's brother. Um, Chip. We had no idea. Yeah, we so. just yeah. literally found out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I found out last night. When I was oh, doing a deep dive into who is Chip White. Um, it's an incredible. I, I want to hear your story. I think I, I'm very intrigued in 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 the in you know the work you've done um, to this point. Um, being in Hollywood in the eighties and nineties, uh, sounds incredibly fun, um, stressful and possibly um, scary, and especially if you're Corey Feldman. <laughs> oh God. No. What happened to Corey Feldman? I don't know. What? I don't know. No, I don't know. No, no. no. I don't what didn't happen to Dang. Corey Feldman? Let's see. Let's see him before. Actually, he okay, looks Okay. Look at that. Look at that right same. there. Bottom right. Bottom right. 
No, that picture right there. Pointed it. Yeah, he was in. Um... The one with Corey Haim. Yeah. The Lost Boys. Corey Feldman. Dang. So what got you out to, to Hollywood um, in your 20s? My sister. Your she sister. Had, she'd moved out there. Um, I moved out in the early 80s, like 82 or so, before she got wheel. I was working with her ma- uh, manager at the time, doing some research on a couple of films. And I kind of started falling apart, and I realized, you know, if I'm going to starve, I can starve back home. Right. So I went back to South Carolina, and she had kind of just gotten wheel um, it was just a daytime show. I don't know if it even become a nighttime show yet. And uh, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going back home. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I can starve there a lot easier than I can starve here. Yeah. Um, so I went back to South Carolina and was there a couple of years working in um, nightclubs. Doing, I was a DJ off and on. Cagney's. Cagney's, Another World, Cowboys, Nightlife. Um, wow. Kind of all over. And, and her boyfriend got killed in a plane crash. And uh, Venice did, yeah. Wow. John Gibson, he was an actor and uh, Chippendales dancer, super, super nice guy. And uh, Damn. he uh, got killed one afternoon doing a coming in for a landing. Um, he was flying the plane, or he was flying the oh, plane. Wow, yeah. They, there's, a, there's a debate whether it was pilot error mm-hmm. or actually the, the, the tower bringing him in too close behind a big C5, whatever it is, a military plane, and he got caught up in the prop wash. Slammed him. Damn. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. So I, that's for movie reference. That's what happened in Top Gun. How long were um, How long yeah, were they together? Uh, they were together several years, and that's her new boyfriend. They'd uh, gotten John engaged. On the right. Oh. Man. Yeah. He was. He was. Both of them were super nice. But John. John was. He was an actor. He was on a couple of soap operas. And, mm-hmm. Um. So after that, wow. I moved back out to kind of. Her, that's when Wheel was really starting to take off. Also, mm-hmm. so I kind of went back out to kind of work with her and. Did that a couple of years and ended up over at King World, which is the one of the syndicators. And oh, yeah. Well, the, so when you went out to Hollywood initially, did you go out to be in front of the screen or did you always want to be behind the scenes? You, um, I kind of went out. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, man. I was 22. Um, I went out and partied. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was working, like I said, I was working with her manager, kind of running errands and doing whatever they wanted. Um, I wouldn't say. How, I did, a, how did she get the gig? She got the gig. She was she'd gone out to be an actress, mm-hmm. and she was friends with um, Janet Jones, oh, okay, uh, Gretzky's wife. And mm-hmm. Janet was a dancer on a show called Dance Fever mm-hmm. with Danny Terrio, which okay. was uh, a, a Merv Griffin show. Okay. Uh, John and Vanna and Janet and her boyfriend were going to double date one night, go out on a date. And, um, oh, wow. Janet said, "Well, come out of the studio because I got to work, and we'll go afterwards." And, yeah. and um, Janet said to Vanna, "Goes." Um, Susan Stafford's leaving Wheel of Fortune. Mm-hmm. You need to go talk to that guy over there. And she pointed. I, I can't remember who it was. And she went over and introduced herself. And he said, send a headshot in. Wow. So she did. Uh, Merv got it. I think they had 200 headshots. They picked three, two or three. Uh, they each got a week. And at the end of the time, mm-hmm. um, I think Pat said, Vicky, Vicky Iveen, who was became Jimmy Iveen's wife. Oh, wow. <laughs> she wasn't Vicky Iveen at the yeah. time. Um, Damn. Pat was like, Vicky's really comfortable with camera. I think she's better. And Pat and uh, Merv's like, you know what? Camera loves Vanna. America's going to love her. And he went with Vanna. Oh, wow. So she beat Vicky Iveen out? Yeah. Um, that's incredible. There was somebody before Vanna White on yeah. the Wheel of Fortune. It was, it was Chuck Woolery and Susan Stafford. Oh, wow. Oh, so there was somebody before Pat Tajak. Yeah. yeah. I remember 
there be anything went past. It was it was just a little daytime. It was a daytime show. Never it wasn't syndicated at the time. Around the time, it, was it around the same time as Price is Right? No, Price, uh, Price is Right's right. been uh, longer. Before? Actually. Yeah, it's been forever. Oh my like, god! It's it's several Damn, years. I just came into the scene around 1983, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole scene. I yeah. remember Bob Barker with dark hair. He way. went to Hollywood in '82. I was born yeah. a year later. That was that's uh, crazy. That's amazing. Um, I always that's it's always interesting, like to think like, man, it was already a whole life you 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 know are starting, you know, and yeah, like, barely born. Um, and your life was literally just starting. Did yeah. you did you have schooling in 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 the entertainment industry? Like no, the only class I passed in college was acting. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're not an actor. <laughs> I do actually. One I, more I do class than Yeah, me. yeah. I, I do it. I don't have an a- agent. I don't pursue it. Um, I work on a lot of some of my stuff. I'll act in it or with Shay stuff, but I'd like to do more of it. Um, but you know, there's already a quadrillion middle sixty-two-year-old uh, silver-haired men. That, <laughs> that, so I'm nothing special. So no one's like knocking on my door going, "You've got what we need." Yeah, maybe not in San Antonio though. Yeah, um. <laughs> maybe he could be the next uh, Tommy Lee Jones. So when did you find your niche? Probably. In 2004, three, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the first several, well, shit, the first, first whatever, man, that was, it was more about partying mm-hmm. than really career. Oh, okay, so just to get by, I was doing these jobs, right? Because um, you were part yeah. of, you were part of teams like for Jeopardy and, and yeah, Inside Edition like, and things like, and like that, Let's right? be honest, man. It was nepotism, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, sh- sure, but so you were King, you were there. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I had to work to the best of my ability, right? And which wasn't always great because I was high as a kite most of the time. Yeah. Um, and they should have fired me, man. Oh. You know, they should have fired me a lot of times mm-hmm. because of, you know, short up high as a kite to work, you know, and hiding in the bathroom doing blow. Yeah. Um, is the coke good in Hollywood? Was uh, the coke was. good I'm, in I'm Hollywood? Hollywood. <laughs> oh yeah, not yeah. now. It's got fentanyl yeah. in it. Yeah, and you know, thank God. I've been, I've been clean and sober twenty years. So twenty years. Yeah. Nice. So I don't know what it's like now, but but I would be terrified to try oh, wow. it these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't. Yeah, that's so scary because one little, one little drop will, or yeah. whatever you call it, and you don't know what don't they're know putting what they it in. It's that. like. And and what's the point? I think like why would why would you cut with your Bad. drugs with something that's going to kill your client? I mean that's just that's crazy because yeah. it, it doesn't add any more weight, so you're not going to make and any more. It doesn't. You know? It's like and it's just killing people. I think they're just trying to kill people. But there there is some some sort of conspiracy theory that that um, well all the fentanyl uh, that's made I guess kind of comes from China, originates from China, or whatever they use to make the fentanyl. Comes from China, funnels into Mexico, and there's a real connection between like the cartels and China. Um, and there's a conspiracy theory that they're peddling fentanyl into the United States to slowly freaking kill off the the population of the United States, <laughs> and it's become the number one killer in the United <laughs> States. So yeah. I think they're doing pretty good at it. Well, to yeah. be fair, they're only killing the crackheads. So. The the fe- well no that's not true because I mean even people that are, that are they they take pills they take pre- prescription pills but their doctor won't give it to them anymore they get it off the street Xanax it's cut with fentanyl you know yeah. and oh, it's, that's true. It, so even and you got these kids who are you know they're 
just going to college or they're in high school and they're first time and you, know, hey, you do a line or something. And these poor and these kids are just yeah. trying to grow in life and have some fun. All of a sudden you don't know, man. It's, yeah. Um, what, how long, how long were you a drug addict for? I mean, uh, they say you're yeah. a drug addict all your life. I, you, you know, it's weird when I was, I grew up in, in North Myrtle Beach, mm -hmm. and in the 70s, 60s and 70s, it was a lot different, especially in the 70s for us. Um, in the winter, you could go to certain – it was also 18 beer and wine, 21 hard liquor. So oh, 18, nice. 18 was – so there were certain bars you could go to, even underage in the winter, because it was a small town, and, and it's after the Friday night football game, and you go to the Galleon or wherever, and, and – your parents don't know where you are, mm -hmm. right? It, it's so you know you're not out drinking in the country, driving around hitting trees. Mm -hmm. We're at the, we're at the galleon, uh, so it's a little different. You know, you really could kind of get away with more um, drinking. I remember more kind of week. It was all weekend stuff. Like, you know, drinking on the weekends like everybody else. Mm -hmm. and I remember one time in I think uh, it was like youth group or vacation Bible school or something. Oh I, my god! I remember they were talking <laughs> about alcoholism and I'm like, hey, is it? Can you be a weekend alcoholic? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, know I was, you know, I was probably a teenager. I don't know. Yeah. So it obviously was kicking in, but um, you know, I did my first coke at seventeen. Is that what you were addicted to, coke? Yeah, that. Well, that was the. Was that your drug of choice? Yeah, and then it was whatever you might have. But I had morals, man. I wasn't gonna smoke crack, and I wasn't gonna no. stick a needle in my arm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's got to be hard yeah. in California. Um, so the crack. Yeah, because I was that was 80s? kicking off the, yeah. the whole crack. I could yeah, like, I looked at this. I I loved what I back then, the powder, mm -hmm. and I knew what it did to me. Mm -hmm. If I liked it as much, and if they said crack was as good as they said, I'm right? Like, I, no, I'm not going there because I know where it's going to take me. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know why. Look, it's crazy. I don't I don't know why I didn't do the things that I've done because I you know basically sent Pablo's Escobar's kids to college before my own. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I don't, and I don't know why. And again, I don't, also don't know why I, God's kept me sober for twenty years. Because you know, I, it's I don't know. Well, if you had to guess, why would you think? I mean, what? what um, I'm I'm sure it's not as as easy, as hard now um, to fight that urge. You know, the the more time that that creates separation there. You know, but yeah, it's not so much the drugs as life. I mean, it's mm -hmm. you know the crazy thing is it, it's not the big things that would that make a lot of people go out mm -hmm. is the little things it's like yeah. it's not the elephant it's the gnat right right um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man Fuck i had a gnat problem the last couple of episodes <laughs> and an elephant one he's used to the fat jokes oh sorry <laughs> just tell myself that it makes me feel better oh man and so how, that was it. Twenty years of addiction. Uh, let's see, seventeen to forty-two. And, and well, wow. I won't say that addiction because mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning, it wasn't right. It, it was. It was fun. It was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't every all the time. Um, it was. You know, that was the point. I was a dealer. wasn't very good at it. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> but you did it yeah. to to sustain your habit. That and you know, it's like you know, everybody wants to be Scarface, right? Yeah. It's, sure. You know? um, yeah. Now was I. I wasn't even close to that sure. big yeah. dealer, you know. It was, um, it, yeah, it was kind of like okay, I can, 
I can deal. I can buy a little bit. I can deal. I can have my little stash, yeah. and then I can try to make some money. And in the end, it's I, hell. I think I probably still owe people money somewhere. Was there? <laughs> it, well, I hope they don't see this. Um, was there a point in time where you were? Oh, how high were you at the top of your game? Not high on drugs, but at the top of your game, um, that you were like, I've I've made it. Was there a point in time where you ever felt like that, or you always felt like you were scratching and clawing? Oh, and I never felt like I'd made it. Never felt like I. Um, not that I felt like I made it. Didn't feel like I deserved it or mm-hmm. earned it or. Um, and again, some of that also was what's well, everybody else's fault that you know my career right. is not higher. Yes, you know. Other than looking in the mirror, going, "Dude, mm-hmm. you're high as a kite," right? <laughs> and you know, it's like, why won't you give me twenty million dollars to make a movie? Have you ever made one? No. Mm-hmm. Do you have a script? No. But I, do you know? No. But if you give me the money, yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. Ah. You know, Fifteen are going to drugs, and five will go into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I can never understand. You know, that was that mentality of thinking of I'm the victim when um, the truth was, you know, no one's going to give you something if you can't. Produce right, right. Um, so I was, get to do those things now that mm-hmm. I do, now I'm not making twenty dollar, twenty million dollar movies mm-hmm. um, as a producer, but I'm I'm working with and people actually give me money to do stuff now, right? You know, yeah, makes sense because yeah. another good another money is going to go into the movie. It's not going. They know go. it's not going to coke anymore. Yeah, <laughs> was it a known thing back then that ah chips uh chips ah he's, he's, <laughs> yeah he's iffy yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, now when you go back and you start making your amends and people are like, yeah. Right. Well, we do. We knew, yeah. <laughs> did you um, go down on Coke or did you go up? Or was it like you were just doing so much you were just like in that? It was both. I mean, it was like, in the beginning it was fun. It was up. Like We'd go to the nightclubs and dance and talk to people and all the things that you associated doing drugs with. Yeah. Um, and eventually it became more and more isolation, more isolation, um, and we had this little conversation quickly earlier. Mm-hmm. At the end, um, I'm 42. I'm unemployable. My wife is pissed off at me. Um, our kid's two and a half, almost three. No one's hiring me because at this point I'm freelance. Mm-hmm. I'm calling I'm calling the dealer on, you know, 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning going, God, please don't let him answer. Please don't let him yeah. answer. And somebody didn't answer. Oh, you know? good. So what do I do? I call him right back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, you know, and and to, then I'd get my my stash, and I'd run back home, and I'd lock myself in the bedroom and put on the favorite DVD, which wasn't a Disney DVD, and I'd do a couple of, of lines, and and then all of a sudden I'm, par- I'm hitting pause, I'm looking out the window, paranoid, um, go back, and it's going for about fifteen minutes, and finally I'm, I'm outside on the patio, just staring up in the trees, looking for invisible DE agents and, and camouflage. We all wow. 15, were, were you 15, selling 15, at the 15, time? No. Oh, you no, were just, just doing just it. Doing. Wow. 15 minutes later, I'm actually up in the trees. I'm sitting in trees, oh. st- still as I can be, just staring. Going, okay, there's somebody in camouflage, and I'm going to see him breathe. I'm going to catch him. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. And it's like 2 in the afternoon. And what? you never thought of making your life a movie? Was that paranoia? Um, was was that a bad trip or was that a buildup? Like every it, time you did it, you were getting a little more paranoid. Oh, buildup. Build in the up. beginning, it, like in the beginning, it was fun. You know, we had a great time and there was just crazy stories about yeah. being at the, where I grew up, you know, doing it and selling it and having fun. And it was really no paranoia. Paranoia didn't really kick in until 
probably the last 10 years, five years of using. Wow. It's when it really yeah. got bad. And you would constantly have that paranoid uh, state, yeah. but rock bottom was at the top of a tree. Yeah, that and, and um, taking the clock radio in our room. Don't you guys remember those? But yeah, <laughs> I remember yes. clock radio. having this clock radio and in, in, in my wife's side of the bed going, okay, I know there's a camera in there oh staring God. at it, you know, but I'm saying, but I'm telling myself, I can't take it apart because I can't get it back together <laughs> and I can't explain to her why I tore, <laughs> took, what, took the radio. What was your apart. brain telling you they wanted you for? Uh, you know, they just wanted you. Yeah. They're just yeah. coming to <laughs> This guy's doing Because I'm doing drugs. <laughs> so, it's kind of like uh, Ray, Lay, Ray Liotta in uh, Goodfellas. Yeah. When yes. Yeah. With the helicopter. The end, yeah. yeah. It was totally that. Had yeah. you seen that movie? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it uh, by then, by that time when that happened? Oh, had yeah. you seen that? So it's kind of your... But I wasn't, compa- I wasn't making the comparison. Right. Yeah. But yeah but yeah, but it might have been your brain was... Oh, when I look at that now, I'm going, holy shit. That's, that's how I felt. That's exactly how I felt. Holy shit. So what was, what was the trigger to kind of get you to finally say, I'm up in trees too much? That uh, that day, right? Is that what you're saying? Being up in the trees. Yeah, but I got shit on by a bird. But what finally made you say, you know what, um, I'm, I'm done? So it was uh, September 11th of 2002. Oh, uh, one, one year after <laughs> 9-11, right? And I had used that excuse. My, my dad was out in L.A. visiting us to see his grandson. Um, I had used that excuse, you know, to, to get high. It's like, oh, melancholy. Oh, poor 9-11. Woe was me. And I had nothing to do with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, You're so, American, goddammit. Yeah. It's yeah. So everything to do with it. Completely yeah. opposite coast. <laughs> it was an so, attack on yeah. us all. So I'm, I'm getting loaded for that. And then and the next morning on the 12th, you know, I'm, I'll, I come home that day. I'll, the next morning, my wife's like, I'm done. It's like 5.30 in the morning. She's getting ready for work. She hadn't slept. She goes, I'm done. I'm taking the kid. I'm leaving. We can sell the house. You can buy the biggest pile you want and snort yourself to death. I don't give a shit. Wow. Um, but I'm not going to let our son watch you kill yourself. Yeah. Um, and I did what any good drug addict would do. Mm-hmm. Baby, baby, please. Yeah. Well, give me one more right. chance. But I'll baby. get some help. Yeah. But uh, baby, America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> Afghanistan. God yeah. damn it. Blame it on them. Exactly. So... Um, she's like, and thank God for her, man. She said, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I don't care. I really, mm-hmm. and uh, she she left, and I had to, that that day I told my dad what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 70, you know, I'm 42, and he's 70-something years old. And um, We had this conversation, and I ended up moving out, getting kicked out of the house, moving out. I said, no, you stay with this stupid for me to leave, you to leave with the kid when right. he's the house. Um, so I went and moved somewhere else and started going to cocaine anonymous meetings and alcoholics anonymous meetings. And, um, three, four months later, I'm, I'm, I'm working. I finally get a sponsor. I start doing the steps. Um, I'm going to meetings. I'm staying clean and sober. I think, but let me rephrase that. All I want to do was, was quit doing the Coke. So between September and October 3rd, October 2nd, I would still drink a little bit, you know, and, and, uh, because all I wanted to do was quit doing the coke. Right. Even though I was going to CA meetings, and and the thing is, you know, it's everything, you everything. Devices. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, and on October second, after a meeting, I asked this guy to sponsor me, and he goes, and I said, well, I'm going to be honest, because you know it's a program of honesty. Right. And uh, and I said, I'm going to have a drink every now and then, a glass of wine with my steak, on a cocktail. And he goes, Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, so that night, I'm like any good alcoholic, I went across the street One to, more. The, to the bar. Yeah, and I did that. Yeah. Had a couple glasses of wine, um, and uh, 
had I known those were going to be my last glasses, I would have ordered the good shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the next morning, October 3rd, I kind of just woke up in this little apartment. I looked up and I said, you know what, God, I give. Uh, I don't I don't know what's going to happen if I do it their way, but I do know what's going to happen if I do it my way. And uh, that moment I gave, man, gave up. I just surrendered. It wasn't a white light. It wasn't like this singing angels. It, there was just a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really started getting into the, started getting a, a sponsor and kind of getting into the program. And like I said earlier, I don't know why God ch- chose for to work for me because right. I've sponsored guys that hasn't. Yeah. Um, I've, we've lost some. Some have worked. But I'm grateful, man. Yeah. I, I've, I've had a, a 20 years that sometimes I don't think I deserve. Sure. Um, but you know what? I've also, I don't know. It's I've gotten to speak all, all over, up, up and down the East Coast at rehab centers. Mm-hmm. I've been speakers at meetings coast to coast. Um, I love sharing. I love I love working with other alcoholics and addicts mm-hmm. and, and watching that light come on, man. Watch that change. Watch their life get better. Yeah. All of a sudden, the eyes clear up and and you know they're they're calling you, going, "Oh my God, man!" You know, my my ex wife called and said I could see the kids, or I got a job, or you know, it's just mm. seeing this change in their life. I mean, no, no one's, as my sponsor says, every day is not ice cream and orgasms. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's phenomenal God, when that you. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Would <laughs> <laughs> be great. Would be an orgasm at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good day, man. <laughs> oh. Oh, a whole new meaning to brain oh, freeze. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck sobriety. No, okay. <laughs> Have you ran into yeah. anybody that knew you from back then that was like, man, Chip, we had some wild times and they, they're still on that path? Um, a lot of the people that we that I did drugs with and had fun with, they weren't addicts, man. They, you know, they quit or they can still have a drink. Oh. You know, they to them it's they you know, one day they woke up and went, you know, I'm not gonna do coke anymore. And they just stopped. Um are there, you know, they'll they'll have a drink every now and then, or you know, maybe they'll still do a line sometime. But it wasn't the issue it was for me. I mean, okay, gotcha. It, it, there's, you know, the old days you'd pull out your house key and you'd do a little bump, bump. you know. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand for the for years why the minute someone gave me a bump, I instantly would change, and all I wanted was more. Yeah, I'm gonna hound your ass right. all night long. Until we do more, till we do it all. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why I was that way, but this guy wasn't. Mm-hmm. And when and then the, when I got into the program, did the steps, it was all explained. Like, oh wow, that makes total sense now. Right. Like somebody, some people can do it in a moderation. Like I'm just gonna have one today. Yeah. Um. But they they equip you with tools to be able to fight that urge. I'm I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, it's you get the tools. You also for me again. This is just my story. Right. The minute that I surrendered, I'm like mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. There was a a change. It's like the the obsession mm-hmm. went away because it's not necessarily. Everybody always goes, "Oh, I'm craving, I'm craving, I'm craving." It's like if you hadn't done drugs in a month, you're not craving shit. Right. What you are is you're mentally obsessing about it. Yes, it's you the know? habit. Yeah. It's, it's like if you can say, "I'm I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today, no matter what." Mm-hmm. Or you can say, I can't wait to 5 o'clock to have a drink, have a drink. Either way, you're obsessing about drinking, right? Yes. So what, right. Hap- what happens at 5 o'clock? Yeah. I have a drink. Right. Well, if I'm not obsessing about it, then it's not it's not there. So do you just give me the tools to... Do you find you're trading that obsession with something like... But something productive, like 
woodworking or like uh, producing. products producing. Yeah, producing. yeah I, was, I was getting uh, there. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I went back. I started surfing again back then, you know, because we were – and I didn't replace it. I didn't really replace it with anything specific. Um, and I still have extremely lazy moments. Um, but it – Me too. Yeah. But it <laughs> – but, it, but you know, like, I, I can get things done today when before I couldn't, you know. And it was always I'm going to do something, right? Um, or I'd get halfway into something and I'd be so high that now i got to – pay somebody twice to fix up to fix when I broke. Um, but I haven't, I won't say I've replaced it with anything. Um, I smoked for cigarettes for a while, you know, and then one day I was like, well, this is stupid. Um, I quit. And then one day in Vegas, um, you know, I'm not drinking, I'm not gambling, I'm not running around. So it's like, give me a cigarette. And I started smoking again for a couple of years. And then one day I was like, all right, same thing. I'm, I, I can't seem to quit, but if I just don't smoke today, and that was, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. So I kind of just started applying the same thing. Wow. What was your uh, first producing job? Like, um, clean. Clean? Yeah, yeah clean. Um, let me think what I did. God, I can't even, I, I can't remember what the first one was. Uh, I did. Is there one that stood out to you, like, that happened? Like, you're like, okay, this is different from when I was using and now I'm not using it. This seems to be more productive. I'm really having more fun yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, I started, I, I became an associate producer on uh, Southern Steel, which was a reality show in, in Funny and had to go to Lynchburg, Virginia. Had to leave the family. Um, probably might have had a year sober, a little more than a year. Mm-hmm. I went to Lynchburg and did a reality show there. Um, and that was like six months or so. I saw my kid twice. From four and a half to five, I saw him two times, three times. Was it, um, did you and your wife reconcile? Well, we did, yeah. Okay. So probably four or five months after mm-hmm. had been kicked out, I got back in the house, in the guest room. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, That's the dog house. Yeah, and I was there for probably a couple months, and I got into the master bedroom again, and mm-hmm. and eventually we... You know, so, she had a hard choice. She, she really had yeah. a hard choice in life. Do I do I believe that he's doing what he's saying, right? And gonna stay clean and sober, mm-hmm. um, and and try to work this out, or do I right. break so, it and say no? So, like, do you find like because you knew you were start basically starting over with her again? Do you find that you had to like record her and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing? Do you do you find like it? Like you basically had to start over with the relationship? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we had to start over, and there was. You know, there was a couple months, you know, I was like, I couldn't touch the checkbook. I didn't have an ATM card. I didn't have a credit card. Yeah. You know, it's like, what do you mean? I got three months sober. What do you mean if I ask me <laughs> yeah. if I got, you No, know, but humans a, do some funny stuff when they're uh, desperate, right? Yeah, we, we'll go through some sobriety because you put us in a desperate state. Yeah. But then when we get comfortable again, it's like, okay, she yeah. she bought into it and, well, and she you know, the, knew that. The crazy thing was, was I didn't, I didn't get sober for her or Crawford. Right. It was, I, I remember, like, I went to the, our preacher gave, gave, us, gave me a call and said, hey, can you come by for a visit? And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I'm going to get the old, it's going to be all right, son. You just, you know, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. He looked at me and said, you know, you may never get your family back, mm-hmm. um, but you need to do this for, for yourself. yourself. Yeah. Um, and that really kind of stuck in. And then when I started doing the program, I realized, and it does, it talks about, you know, I can't do it for anybody but myself. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that was different when I went back because I wasn't doing it for her and helped in our relationship. And um, our son was young. He, he, he knows about it. He remembers a little bit about it, mm-hmm. but he, and I don't think he's ever heard me tell my full story, mm-hmm. but we've had conversations. I mean, he's 23. Is there a resentment? No. No. Y'all have a, y'all no. have a good relationship. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, he, he, like I said, he doesn't really remember those mm-hmm. things, but I do. I mean, I, right. you know, I remember being high as a kite and, and trying to babysit and putting him on the sofa and turning on the TV because mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. And, and, Here's this two and a half year old looking at you with pure hate in his eyes, man. And you're like, he he loves me because I'm dad, right? But something's not right, and he's got that look, man. And it is breaking my heart. Mm-hmm. But all I can do is put him on the sofa and go back in the back room and do another line and come back. You yep. know, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Yeah. Um, today, he he says he loves me. We talk. I mean, it's, it, there's this whole relationship. I've, I've been present. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I've been present in yeah, his life. Absolutely. Um, when, when you know, after I did the reality show the first first time, they weren't there. But the second one, I said, only the family can come with me. So we, we moved to Boston when he was five. And I did a 10 months on a TV show there. And they were there. Then we moved to, to Charlotte. Um, I went two weeks and did American Chopper up in New York. But I, I'm like, I can't give you more time. My wife will divorce me if I, <laughs> if I say, hey, by the way, I'm going to New York for six months. Um, so when I got back, once I got back to Charlotte and and was able to be present all through his elementary, his junior high, football games, lacrosse games, baseball games, right, all those things that that I got to, got to be a part of. You're a father. Yeah, scouting. You know, yeah. we we oh man, I had so much fun doing scouting with him. You know, that things that I would never have done if I was getting high. Mm-hmm. I would have promised a lot. Oh yes, I'm going to be there. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. And I'd either show up. Not at all, super late and wasted mm-hmm. or or not even gotten the chance. I don't know. But what were you doing as as a profession during this time? Was it producing yeah, and so, the producer roles? Yeah, when I got we got to Charlotte, um that's probably there three or four months where things finally kicked in and ended up uh going over to what was back then the speed channel. Mm-hmm. Oh, speed the, TV? Uh, yeah, speed yeah. TV, speed channel that became Fox Sports One, but I was doing promos for mm-hmm. Speed Channel. I do all the F1, all the Rolex, a um, couple of other, some of the truck series. So I was, I was cranking out promos all week. But and it was what, awesome. Like, what were you doing like to crank? Like, what was your role? Writer and producer. So oh. for we would, um, on Monday, they would say, you're doing the F1 race, you're doing the Rolex race, and you're doing the truck race. Mm-hmm. So you would spend Monday afternoon and Tuesday, really writing, writing your 60, your 30, and your 15-second promo. Um, get it approved. You'd get set with. You'd start pulling footage. You'd set with the editors, and they would start cutting a rough cut of it. You'd arrange your voiceover. You'd talk to the graphics department. This is what I need. And then on Friday, you would ship them out. Wow. And you would get your next assignment. You know, so I probably did. 900 promos. You know? So you're basically designing the promotion, the advertisement, right? It's, you're designing it, it and then you're saying, here, here, editor, you do this part, here, voiceover, you do this part. Yeah. It's and, it's, and it's basically just promoting like next week's race. It wasn't yeah. like, and, I mean, sometimes you would get the beginning of the season mm-hmm. kind of promoting the whole, the whole series, the whole event. But usually it was just like, okay, we raced in Dallas today, next, or this weekend, next weekend we're in Atlanta. So we're going to promote it. I have to do mm-hmm. the, the Atlanta promo. 
or the Abu Dhabi promo. Yeah. So you're just really promoting for the week before. What did you do for MTV? Uh, I, I was at VH1, um, and this was back when I was using, unfortunately. Did you do Flavor of Love, bro? Because I'm about to <laughs> fucking fangirl. Nah, I did. <laughs> I did uh, it seems like um, you, you tend to want to write off the stuff that you that you did um, or the professional things that your, your accomplishments when you were using um, because maybe you weren't as involved or you were, you know, just because it was nepotism, yeah. you might have got... It seems like you, you, you'd like to write those things off. Um, you know what? I'm really super proud of, yeah. of the... Uh, working on behind the music mm-hmm. um, and doing a bunch of the MTV. I love the seventies, eighties, nineties. Doing lots I love of those shows, shows dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I, would, I would be interviewing, like interview David Lee Roth, or I'd interview somebody for a couple of the shows. Uh, go do red carpet, try yeah. to get bites, um, and I, I, I'm proud of that. Yeah, um, you should be. Yeah, right. And, and I know that it sticks with you that during that time I wasn't my best self. Right, but yeah. you were there. I was there. I mean, you you were there. But no, none of us were there. None of us <laughs> yeah. can even imagine being there. But being in front of David Lee Roth, or being around him, or being rubbing shoulders with anybody you've been around—that's an accomplishment in itself for us, for the norm, you know, normal people. Exactly. And you would say, "Yeah, I'm just a normal person too." Yeah, and yeah. I just it fell in my lap. But hell, it fell in your lap, you know, and yeah. that's freaking awesome. And that's your life that you that you should be proud of. And I'm glad that you are, you know. But it it comes off a little as, ah, yeah. I'm more proud of the stuff that I did when I got sober, which is 100% right because you did that and yeah. that, that's where you were most clear-minded. Um, but you were still there. You know, like Jeopardy, y'all won an Emmy, Emmy that team? Yeah, the, the Clue Crew. I mean, that's Jeopardy's incredible. won several. Um, yeah. But I was part of the first going out on the road with the original Clue Crew. Um, and, and when I say I've got an Emmy, I don't have the statue. I've got a piece of paper that said I was part of the – I could buy the Emmy, but I didn't have the money. Right. <laughs> but I don't have anything. I, I could, I could I'll buy, take the paper I, over I, the statue. 100%. I could buy the Emmy or I could buy two grams. I don't, you know. Yeah. You know? Oh, really? <laughs> was it that you you, oh, you yeah, could was, buy the statue? Yeah, you can you can purchase them. Once you've won, you can you can buy a copy of it. So I want it. Yeah. Give me yeah. I, I want it. So, <laughs> so I'm a big pop culture nerd, so I have to go back to the behind the music. What which episode, like, was there one episode in particular that you were like, oh, this is, like, a great, or one artist that yeah. you guys covered that so sticks my, out? The, I, I worked on um, Saturday Night Fever, the music, um, and which was crazy because when the movie came out, way, way before you guys were born, mm-hmm. that, yeah, was kind of, was that was kind of my senior, my high school, late high school, early college years was Saturday Night Fever, man. It's like, and for me, it was like the dancing. I wanted to learn the dance moves. I wanted uh, the music was just phenomenal. So then to go back and work on the movie behind the music of it, I, you know, and watch it again, go, man, that's a really dark movie. You know, it. When I was watching, it was all woohoo, it's fun, it's disco, it's having a great time, it's yeah. partying. But you go back and you watch the story f- uh, the second time, you go, wow, it's it's a heavy, dark movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, really, so go back and watch it. I again, didn't and watch and I it. Really start, you know, look. <laughs> yeah. Look at what these characters go through and, and, and the story they're trying to get out of. You know, it, it's really a, a dark film. So, but I got to interview a bunch of the actors that were in it, um, the cinematographer and the special effects person and stuff. So that was kind of fun. And then I did a little bit on Everclear, did a little bit on Rod Stewart, did a little, mostly researching. Um, trying to think what else. I went and... Was it REO Speedwagon? I went and I flew to Champaign, Illinois to 
shoot with REO. They were doing a, a coming back to their hometown concert with Sticks, and so I got to hang out and shoot a bunch of stuff with those guys. And I think that was for Behind the Music. I can't remember what it was. Crazy, <laughs> right? Was like, you, you got to hang out with a lot of these folks. Yeah. Now, the funny thing was, like, when I did the REO Speedwagon thing, it's like I'm standing backstage in the green room, actually pre, pre-concert, pre the meet and greet, and everybody's mingling and talking. And I'm standing there, and I, I look at this brunette beside me, and I said, you know, I'm sitting here backstage at REO Speedwagon, mm-hmm. and the only song running through my head is, Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and she goes, my kid loves that show. <laughs> you literally have a band, keep it on the run. And, yeah. And I'm, you know, Dragon Tales is running through my head. <laughs> it's like when I, it finally dawned on me one day, I'm we're bicycling down the path on in Manhattan Beach and um, got my kid on the back. My wife was having her bike and. There's a little bikini on roller skates right here. And, and I look at her and I look at that house and I go, that's a really nice house. <laughs> I realize like, I'm at that age. Mm-hmm. I got a better chance buying that house than, <laughs> than the girl in the, the bikini. The bikini so. Well, all you have to say is, like, hey, I worked with REO Speedwagon. Yeah. Um, Did you meet Pat Sage? Yeah. Yeah. I've known Pat really? from the beginning. I, um, I got, he, he's super nice. Look, he's got a dry yeah. sense of humor. I love him. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were doing the talk show, so I did the talk show and it kind of, we pitched it around, nothing really happened and it kind of just fizzled mm-hmm. because I was high as a kite, right? <laughs> um, but then I started kind of getting celebrities to do stuff and then and then the company that helped me with it, they said, well, let's, Let's revise it, see mm-hmm. if we can pitch it again. And you go to, to the set and talk to Van and Pat and do these little skits. And mm-hmm. um, and I said to Pat, I was like, hey, will you do me a favor? Just kind of, I'm going to ask you for advice. And you can, and he goes, because mine didn't work. I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he he played along. We had these little skit things. Yeah. We were about to re-kind of cut the show and, and re-pitch it. And that's when everything hit the fan on my end. Mm-hmm. And the our friends who had the company that was going to do it, they're like, mm, we can't touch this right now because we don't know what's going to happen to you. And right. if if we go pitch it and you relapse and you're out there high as a kite, it's not going to work. So, it, so it's just on the internet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, <clears throat> how about Alex Trebek? Alex was fun. He he was always super nice to me. I mean, he he was a quirky person. I mean, he, like, he had oh, really? his, you know, I mean, definitely had his, his business and, mm-hmm. His sense of humor was not as dry as Pat's, but uh-huh. he had his moments. And he was, I, I didn't hang out with him a lot. Yeah. You know, so we were buddies, and Pat and I don't hang out a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've always been super nice to me. Um, What's the, um, aside from your sister, right? Uh, the, the the celebrity that, that had the most impression upon you? Um, the biggest impression. Tony Montana, you didn't hear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, fucking Al Pacino, bro. <laughs> Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. Unfortunately, I never met, haven't met Al Pacino or Ray Liotta. So, Damn. Um, well, you won't meet him. No. You won't meet Ray Liotta. Um, Rest in peace. I did. I was at a, a New Year's Eve party early in the in the mid eighties when I first moved out there, and Gene Kelly was there. Oh yeah. And I, I'm, I'm a huge love Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, 
And I actually went up to him and started talking to him. And I usually I usually don't go up to celebrities and, and uh, mm-hmm. but depending on like at a party it's different because if you're at a party with them then you obviously have been invited so it's a it's a mutual yeah. atmosphere. I, I don't go up to him at dinner and say, "Hey, what's your can you sign this?" Can I get your autograph. Yeah, right. um, I, I was I, I was super excited to meet Gene Kelly. Um, I was doing a uh, red carpet one time and. Uh, Martin Sheen was over talking to somebody, and I kind of held up my MTV mic and pointed. He goes, I'll be there in a minute. Mm-hmm. And he walks over and he goes, how you doing? He goes, anybody ever tell you you look like my friend Bobby? <laughs> like, Bobby? Bobby who? He goes, mm-hmm. De Niro, Robert De Niro. I'm like, bro. I'm like, uh, no, I've never heard <laughs> oh, that. that Bobby. Bobby. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, me and Bobby are like this, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is me way over here. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, you know, I was younger the back nose. then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, he was That's cool. Incredible. Um, so now you don't have to drop any names, but there's any celebrity that just lets you down completely. Like this guy is an asshat, or you know, well, how you did you do rude. that without dropping names? Well, no, just <laughs> say yes, and what happened? You don't have to say, oh, Bobby De Niro was. Yeah. Uh, and yes. I'm, you know, it's hard for me to say because a lot of it could have been you. Me. you. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm high as a kite, and they're like. Hell away from you, dude. Right? Um, I can't think of anyone I really have been disappointed in. I don't I'm, that I can. They all that I can cope with them. So why would fucking <laughs> be mad? Did you ever meet Tupac? No, Damn. I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't meet Tupac. Wow. Um, I, so I, I so, tell you who to. If you're ever in a city mm-hmm. and you run across across Pod, Paul Rodriguez. Oh really? Dude, hook up with him. Really, he knows everybody anywhere. Oh, no he shit. will he will take you on a journey that around a city that'll. Wow, uh, we were in Houston. That's not Paul Rodriguez. Oh, <laughs> that one is the second row. That's so yeah, weird. Yeah. What yeah. comes up? He <laughs> just, you know what? He was super nice. We were in, at a convention in Houston, uh-huh. and he ended up taking us to this Mexican disco. Yeah, and uh, even the limo driver's like, "You mean a quinceanera?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the driver's like, "You sure you want to go there?" And Paul's like, "Oh yeah, shit, yeah, yeah." Um, so we went and like rope off a section, and I'm gonna go walk around the club, and the guy's like, "You need a bodyguard?" I'm like, oh, "I don't know, dude. I just do it." Wow. Yeah, walk. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So we just hung out, and then I ran into him the next year in New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, "Paul." Chip, he goes, hey, man. He goes, "Come on, we're gonna go try to find this friend of mine, Dino Cruz, who was a, <laughs> he had a band." Yeah. And he introduced me to so many bar owners and uh, these little dive bars all in the quarter. That's that incredible. When I went back, man, they're like, oh, Chip, come on. I was like, yeah. That's why I'm taking all my friends going, hey, look who I'm there. Come on. Yeah. We're like, I'm, I'm the big shot because, uh, <laughs> oh, it's Paul Rodriguez. That's uh, he, crazy. he was awesome. He really, he seems like and he's a wow. super nice guy. So, you, if you, at, when's the last time you went back to Hollywood? Um, Last year, I mean, my Last sister's year? still there, so I go visit. And so, how does it feel when you go back as like who you are? And you know, uh, you know it's I always try to hit meetings, some of the meetings that I got sober in. Oh, um, cool! So, I'll go back and try to right talk to some of those, about, yeah. um, speak or whatever. And it's, I'm not usually going for work, so it's okay. a little different. I'm going to visit, yeah. I'll visit my sister and her, my niece, and my nephew. Um, my son's godparents are out there, so a lot of our friends are still there, so we'll go. And just visit, and you know, I'm the driver. Where's your Where's your son living now? Uh, my son's in Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, yeah, oh, that... he's in logistics. He graduated uh, University of South Carolina last May. He's a drug dealer too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope oh, not. that's logistics, right? <laughs> no, that, that was Bianca. 
Oh, she okay. Was she was an logistic. But She's Paul good. Rodriguez is going to be here October 22nd. Really? Oh, no, wait, wait. That was last year. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we have a Googler for this. I know. That's, oh, that's sad. So what, what brings you to South Texas then? Okay. So my wife is from Corsicana, Texas. Okay. This is your same wife? Yeah. Wow. Same wife. How She's long from, have y'all been together? Trick question, years? didn't it? Yeah. We started I mean, dating. Oh, we that's start, true. Yeah. yeah. No, we, we started dating <laughs> in 91. It's like asking me on my ex. Yeah. Um, we got married in 90. We started dating in 91. We got married in 94. Okay. Um, so it was 29 years. Wow. Um, but she's from Corsicana, Texas. You guys from oh, that? Oh, cool. About yeah. 60 miles south of Dallas. The Fruitcake. Yes. So what? If you, <laughs> so if you want to see a good a good documentary uh-huh. on, I think, Discovery Plus, uh-huh. Fruitcake Fraud. Fruitcake fraud? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What happened? So they, they uh, it's Collins Street Bakery. They were, uh, their CFO embezzled $17 million over 10 years. From the city of Corsican? No, oh, from the, really? From the Collins Street Bakery. Oh. From the fruitcake people. Um, They're in Corsican? Yeah. And these are the kind of documentaries that you're like, Holy shit! This is really good, and it yeah. shouldn't be because it's about <laughs> a fruitcake company. <laughs> yeah. So she, her, my father-in-law was the vice president. Her brother works there now, and uh, but she's been wanting to get back to Texas for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were in Charlotte, and we our son graduated. And my father passed away. We sold the house. It's like yeah. she hated her job there. Mm-hmm. Um, so she started looking around Texas and started applying, and ended up uh, getting hired at. Texas A&M San Antonio. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, my son and, goes there. Oh, okay. She's in communications and, and marketing. She's executive director. He's, he's going the IT route. So okay. Not, but she's not a teacher. She just, oh. you know. He's going, which one? Archer. Oh, my God. He, he needs a OG fashion. James. <laughs> yeah. He was our other Googler before yeah. we fired so, him. Oh, but, okay. Um, but, yeah, so that's what, that's what brought us here. And I, I was like, I can work anywhere. I don't have a. Yeah, but you do love the beach, right? I do love the beach. How are you going to deal with that? It's not too far from here, man. <laughs> it's, yeah, nah, it's, it's not Corpus. It's not the best of gold. No, exactly. I'm like, what are you um, talking I meant about? to Mexico. I mean, he doesn't I mean, love the lake. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I, she kept asking me, are you going to be okay? I'm like, look, yeah. I'll be fine. Bottom line is, it's an international airport, and I got a car. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. If I need to go, mm-hmm. I can go. Um, but... I don't surf as much as I used to because we, Charlotte was landlocked. I was four hours from the beach there too. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Really? So it's, you know, it's not like I was there all the time. Oh. But North Myrtle Beach, you ever go back there? Mm-hmm. You do? Yeah. I'm Love probably, it. I may be going back next month actually. Um, I mean, I'm in talk with uh, a group out of Columbia that are shooting a feature mm-hmm. down there next, next month oh, cool. um, called the Grand Strand and, uh, I might go kind of consult, produce like a week or two. I can't commit to the full 14, to the full four weeks because I've got to be here and take care of the dog and the wife and stuff. Um, so I'm going to go back, probably going to go back and work on that a little bit. You're still involved with Stack 3? Stack 3 is technically starting to close down because oh, okay. we were in North Carolina mm-hmm. and um, I'll probably do a new company here. Oh, cool. Just haven't. Yeah. Sit down and come up with a name and an LLC and all that. Transition well, period. B- BFR is taken. Carolina <laughs> Cowboy or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. You had a lot of Hollywood experience. So <laughs> what was like uh, your worst sex experience? Yeah. <laughs> Probably high as a kite on coke. 
<laughs> oh, it didn't happen. Yeah. Because it didn't get up. That's not yeah. a sex experience. That's not a sex experience, Chip. Oh. That's a count, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a pass on this question. You've been with your wife 29 years. I don't want you to get in trouble. <laughs> he just, come on. I, I, I'm a, she's hey, done hey, so may, much Maybe you should ask her. <laughs> <laughs> So what's Chip's worst sex it was, experience? It was September 10th, 2002. <laughs> Have you ever been to jail? No. Wow. Yeah. I had, again, I, some good guard. Yeah. If my mother's a guardian angel, she was really busy. Um, oh, so. when did your mother pass? 1980. 1980? Yeah. So, I, I, look, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know why I haven't been. I should have been for multiple things. I'm sure if I... Who knows? How were you doing before 1980, Chip? Oh, I was a guy, dude. Really? <laughs> so it wasn't your mother passing? No. No, I mean, wow. I was, you know, I, that's an excuse. Sure. You know? Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah. You know, the day, of, the day of her funeral, I'm afterwards at night, I'm popping quaaludes and going to the I mean, it sounds like any of us. We were teens. We were doing stupid things. And yeah. for him, he just had the addiction that took over. Yeah, so. I mean, and for me, it was also like, hmm, where can I work where you can do drugs and drink? Nightclubs, yeah, so, Hollywood. Well, that was even before Hollywood. Oh, this yeah, was at yeah. the beach. Oh, I mean, that's was damn. in North Myrtle. And he just graduated to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I moved to Hollywood. I'm like, you guys are slow lane until I've hooked up with the right people <laughs> or wrong people. Damn. <laughs> so you've you've worked on some features. Some, some I have. Um, there. Let me think. What how they work out here? I was a an actor in a couple of them. Then in Charlotte, I was uh, associate producer on a couple of INSP films, which is Inspiration Network, which are faith-based sort of films. Um, it's in Heritage Falls, County Line, and I think I had a little part in The Warrant. I loved working on those, man. Gary Wheeler and, and Jason White, those guys are all super nice. I liked them because I questioned my faith a lot, so it's kind of interesting to work on a faith film where where people are are heavy in their belief and, and they don't push it on you. Yeah. But you can have a conversation like, you know, I'm, dude, I'm struggling. You know, I, I, I wish I had what you have, but I have these, I can't seem to cross that line. So it was, it was an interesting time for me to work on them. <clears throat> Excuse me. I liked the stories. My friend Shay wrote and directed them. Was that the inspiration for Electric Jesus? Electric Jesus was, which, which is out on 2B and Apple and, uh, Prime, any of that? Hmm. You can watch it. It's on Tubi. Nice. Yeah. All right. Damn it. How long is it? It's a feature. It's oh, cool. There you Don't go. look at the ratings. So, you got, do you guys ever watch the The Office? I yeah. love The Office. Brian Bumgarner, Kevin Malone. Yeah, he's the, he's the star. The lead. He plays the uh, band manager. It's the summer of nineteen eighty six. A youth Christian metal band goes on the road. What could go wrong? Brian Bumgarner's the manager. Uh, Who the fuck is Chris White? It's actually no relation, but he's the writer director. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris wrote and directed, and his wife Emily was executive producer. Um, I met them after a film festival. He reached out and said, hey, I've got this script. It's about this this band, 316, Summer of 86. Um, for, for me, it was more the 70s because mm-hmm. Chris is about – 10, 12 years younger than I am. So for this, for him, the 80s were this period. For me, it was right. the 70s. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in church. I'm going to youth group. 
one day at church, you know, the lightning bolt strikes, and all of a sudden I'm I'm born again, and I'm going to save everybody, right? I'm yeah. going to the boulevard to, to preach the word, and, <laughs> and and it's going to be great. And you know, all of a sudden one day, you know, hey God, she's cute. I'll be right back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> take a little um, break. I'll be right. I'll be, no, excuse me. I'm just going to go talk to you. I'll be right back. Guys. Right. Um, and you know, 30 years later, your life's in, in hell. You know, and it's like mm. so you can. It would, so I could relate that way, and this was '86. Um, and uh, I'm watching this tonight. Judd Nelson, from The Breakfast Club. He plays the preacher whose daughter runs away. Um, it's been an amazing talent show tonight. Check, check, check. We got one more eye for you before we pack up and head home tomorrow. So who's ready to rock? The '80s. That's when Christian rock really started to roll. So I got on with a group of guys from my church who'd started a metal band called 316. I loved it. After a couple of shows, our minister connected us to an old friend of his who managed Christian bands. I am here to steal you for the summer. 316 on tour, the Rock and Roll Road Show. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. And so began the summer of 1986. Are y'all famous? I don't think so. Not yet, anyway. There have been some issues on tour with you guys. God almighty, have you run away before? Hey, Skip, she can sing. Darling, please don't toss us away. All right, let's go to Mobile. Most hard rock music does not glorify God. I'm tired of these churches. They think all rock is evil. They don't want to hear our music. We should play somewhere where they do. 316? Yeah, I am pretty sure that's us. But there are four of us. 316 is in consideration for the Motley Crew and Striper Heaven and Hell Tour! Something special is happening with this band. The best thing that's ever happened to me. It's three o'clock in the morning. Turn the music down! Get out! Come here! Come here! Yeah! On the radio, songs with lyrics like scritch scratch, dropping that crotch crutch, looking for a slick lick, I ain't asking for much. <laughs> so this wasn't Shea Sizemore at all? No, this was Chris White. Shea Sizemore was the he ISP. Shorts. He did a lot, four, four or five shorts with mm -hmm. Shea. Shea was... Uh, working at, he wasn't working for Speed, he was working at Mediacom, which was uh, where we did our production. And then he ended up coming over to Speed, but he was this young kid who just made these little shorts. Like mm -hmm. he would take his little flip camera and make these movies and stuff. And one day he goes, hey, I made this uh, Civil War movie called Last of the Yo-Yo Men. <laughs> um, and it's raining and you can hear it on the umbrella Will you voice this character for me. Um, so, so there's this, Big dude with a beard and Confederate uniform, and I'm in the booth going, it's true, he does exist. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, he goes, oh, I'm going to make this one um, where you play death. I'm like, okay. So it was one, one that I 
played death in. And then after he goes, I've got this one about a trash man. And I said, okay, I mean, he goes, oh, you're going to star in it. Like, oh, okay. wow. So we made a trash, uh, amendments of a trash man. And then uh, he goes, I got this one about a chess player. Uh, I want you to star it. I'm like, okay, great, but I want to produce. Oh, so you were in a chess player? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm Tony Summerall. Um, oh, world's shit. World's greatest chess player, man. Um, How so long is that one? It's 23 minutes. 23 minutes? Yeah. What's it called? A chess player? A chess yeah, player. but you're going to have to do a little more than a chess player. Short <laughs> film short right film, there. Yeah. See, it? size more. Oh, that's my Google history. Shut <laughs> So how do we get there? What what is it on? Kickstarter? Uh, it's on uh, Kickstarter? Venmo. Actually, oh, on Vimeo? Maybe Vimeo. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's look at the there. rating, though. It's got good good rating. I um, but I, I mean, I watched... Um, I'll send you guys a link to all these. Black shorts. Dispatch? Yeah. I mean, it was just... It's like three minutes? No. Or, or maybe it was just the, the advertisement that I watched? Yeah. Oh, the trailer? Yeah. yeah, just the trailer was like... It's when the guy, you know, they spot the... the they hear the guy in the woods, and he's like, hey... Hide and yeah. then he hides and then he goes to shoot the gun and there's no bullet in there. He's like, yeah. shit, and the guy sees him <laughs> and yeah, then so, it ends there. Like, yeah, that's that's oh. just the, the clip. Oh, okay. So the, the, the short's probably 20 minutes. So we did, so we did, a, we decided to do a chess player. So I want to produce. Mm-hmm. So we came up with a budget. We did a, a that's you, crowd, yeah, that's me. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> incredible. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. Yeah, I grew a beard for it. Wow. What year was that? Holy fuck. That's cool, right? 2013. <laughs> so it's been 10 years, man. I thought y'all been talking about Shea Serrano the, this whole time. No, y'all Shea Sizemore. Y'all know who Shea is? No. He um has a show on um, uh, Freebie. But he, it's uh, he's from here, from San Antonio. Wow. Because uh, I had somebody share him the other day and that he had this big-ass... Um, show coming out and it's about living in san antonio it's on um i think freebie is the amazon like free yeah the free free shit yeah yeah so that's who i thought y'all been talking about yeah no shay sizemore this is is this from north carolina or north carolina what shay no no yes uh he's originally from virginia from virginia oh shoot but he was living in he lives in charlotte he was living in charlotte with with yeah well he he's got his own company oh really was mine Okay. Um, we just kind of collaborated. So we did a chess player. And then after that, he goes, hey, I've got this story. It's it's a love story about an aging luchador. Mm-hmm. It's called My Luchador. Right. I'm like, okay, I'm in. So we we produced. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. We produced I'm aging my, too. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't star in it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, uh, <laughs> Chip was fucking doing her Karana's <laughs> off the fucking top rope. He's there in his mask. <laughs> uh, so we did My Luchador. And, and in the meantime, we're, Entering film festivals and stuff. Oh, leave them. It's a fine. Just um, and then after Luchador, he goes, "Hey, I've got this one about uh, this guy named Thirsty called Crab Trap." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "I'm in. I want to star." And he goes, "No, nah, I've written it for Danny Vincent." So we got Danny to do it, and we did Crab Trap, and then we did uh, Black Dispatch. So Shay wrote that mm-hmm. the Crab Trap. Yeah, he, he wrote, said he wrote that just looking out his door. He was hanging out with one of the producers they, at the house we shot at. He and oh. They were sitting out there and the docks or kind of talking about people coming and stealing out of your crab trap. You know, oh. How, you know? And then he started thinking about the things that were involved with with um, telling a lie and getting more and more stuck in, in a lie. Real quick, I see the name Shea Sizemore. Is he related to the other Sizemore family? No. Okay. From uh, okay. Uh, Tom Sizemore? Yeah, Tom. No. Yeah. No. Because okay. they're... they're 
like they direct and stuff. How do you plan on um, doing something here in the city? Like, because uh, there's not a huge, I don't think. Um, there is. It's growing. It's, yeah, it's growing. Yeah. I'm meeting. I'm kind of finally starting to meet people. Um, we'll probably, there's a couple of people doing some shorts that I'm, I'm not involved, but I'm, you know, I give them notes on a script or I'm giving suggestions on how to find a location. Um, just kind of talking them through. I may show up on set one day. Hey, you know, we need a hand with, or you can make this, make this better. How do you, how can you make it better? For me, it's all about what can you do to make it better mm-hmm. in in your budget and and stay true to the story. Right. Um, you know, if you're telling a story about, you know, you're you're this wealthy playboy, mm-hmm. and then we pull up <laughs> to he knows me. Well. Yeah, and we pull up to you know, a mobile home and you got a station wagon there. It's like, well, that's not pulling it off. Right. right. So yeah. how, and, and don't go get a nice house. Right. Get a freaking mansion, right? So you punch them up. Yeah. That's like it's the like jokes. How do you, yeah. You take everything. How do you make it better? How mm-hmm. do you make it more realistic? Don't, whatever you can do to keep my mind in the story while I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. Yep. The engagement. Then, then I'm yeah. there. If you, if you, if you say like, yeah, he's a he's a wealthy playboy, but yet he pulls up to uh, an apartment building that's not obviously someone right. who's wealthy, I'm going, wait a minute, you know, now mm-hmm. I'm out of the story. And I'm I'm thinking about that, or or you you do something that just does it, you could have easily made better. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you just get a mansion for a fucking like for a show or a movie? Do you? You ask. You just ask the person with it. You just ask. Yeah. What the what's the least. Well, I mean, worst they, they can do. Yeah, they say no. Say no. And and do they don't line, really charge. Or do you think they're just like, yeah, they that's some white people shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen Little Dicky? No, 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 uh, no. Save that money. No, I don't. I don't check check out anybody's Dicky. No, so he did that for Big a whole music them. video. Oh, really? He just went and asked people for everything on the on the fucking video. Really? Yeah. yeah. A lot, now a lot of those guys, you know, you. A lot of times they Airbnb it. Put that on real quick. Right, put, Put that on. Hey, Vinny. Where'd you get that? Lower it. It's a little loud. Okay, just lower it. You have a volume. (laughs) I don't know. Volume control. Hey, you ever think about paying for YouTube premium? Nope. Oh. (laughs) I'm not a rich playboy. Hi. My name's Dave. I know this is kind of ridiculous, but I'm actually a rapper, and we're shooting a music video all about how we can make the most epic rap video ever for no money. So we were just driving by, like looking at nice houses and- That's so cool. And we were wondering if we could maybe come in and get a few shots. We saw this house. Oh. They were Jewish too. They had a mezuzah or whatever the fuck you call it. Mezuzah? Do you guys live in one of these houses? Cause I'm shooting a music video. I'm actually a rapper. Okay, but you, with your tattoos. Oh yeah, I couldn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I could have done that. I'm taking so, a chip with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my agent. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna talk to you real quick. <laughs> well, first of all, you you go to people you know. Okay. Look, look there, there there's a saying, right? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Right. It's true. We are six people away from anybody you really want to know. <sighs> you may not be well. We just got closer I'm though. Fucking two people uh-huh. away from yeah. Fanta White. Fanta White. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You may not know. You may not have the. A mansion, but I guarantee you know somebody who knows somebody who does. You just you have never, to have the nerve to d- d- ask. Yeah, well, you do a little research. Figure out who do you, who. First of all, you ask. You figure out who you know that might have, and if you know someone who has this house, it's not quite right. There's right. a good chance that they know the person up the street. 
Yeah. So you use you, you start with who you know and you start working. So a lot of the times, like when when you are punching up these these movie ideas or these scenes in there, do you feel like um, they didn't they didn't do it right that that part they didn't do it right just because you know either they don't have the experience there to to go deeper into that and to add those extra things into it or are they just checking a box ah we got that scene out of the way we don't really need to spend a little, too much time a little about that I mean yeah. like when we did a chess player. I learned a ton of that with, with Shay because it, we've got now we do a short, like we'll shoot it in four days. A chess player, we shot multiple weekends, but there was a, there's some prison scenes in there. He's going to drop something, bro. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Something is getting I'm here so off worried in right fucking now. house. <laughs> so, there, so there was some, in, in the original script, there was a, a, the prison scenes weren't that much. And he goes, hey, if we can find a brick wall – with a chain link fence and some razor wire, we'll put a picnic table and we'll we'll shoot it where it looks right. like a prison. And I'm like, oh, hang Don't on. Cut the corner for the. I said, hang on a minute. I knew of this little detention prison in Charlotte. It was kind of hidden behind the woods. Half people didn't even know it was there. Wow. And so I drove over there. It was closed, but I called the number, and they're like, "Yeah, no, can't shoot there." Um, so I was like, oh man. So then I also at the same time called. Uh, Beth Patty, who ran kind of the the film com- kind of film commission there, okay. and she goes, "Oh, you know what? Call this other call this guy. He's with the prison system and somewhere." So I called him, and he goes, "Oh yeah, you know, yeah, we can't use that one to shut down, but we have this one in Mount Pleasant, forty miles away, that we clo- wow. we closed a year ago. Yeah, we get lunch at, lunch break. We drive to Mount Pleasant, we tour it, and we go. This is awesome. It's minimal, you know." But it's got That's a little badass. guard tower. It's got the cell doors. And Better all. than a wall. Exactly. The so, so we're like, we're in. Well, now you've got a prison. <laughs> Let's add a few scenes. So, right. Oh, oh yeah. So, you know, not only did they give us the prison, they cleaned it up. They mowed it. They gave us the green prisoner uniforms. He said we can't give you the brown ones because that's felony, and if you get caught walk, <laughs> if you get caught walking around with that, your ass is going to, <laughs> is going back. So they gave us the green ones, uh, they gave us the prison, they gave us all the stuff we needed, and they let us use it for free. Man, that's fucking awesome. So you just it's you, crazy. You go back to asking, right? Yeah, you know? but that's your experience in in doing that. Well, I didn't have that experience to start with. Well, yes, but you gained but it, I right? Gained so, it. In, yeah. so anybody starting out, um, they benefit from that experience, right? You know, you having that experience. So. Yeah, and I, and I, t- I tell that story often. Like, I, I love talking to young filmmakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm not one of these guys who's not going to share what, what I've learned. Yeah. Because I want you to make a better movie, right? Yeah. I want you to have a better movie. So. All right. So when to watch this podcast, <laughs> feel free to give us tips. <clears throat> are you, like, are you excited about the, the city of San Antonio and, and – Doing things here, I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to them. If you're um, not, get out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm digging it. At, uh, How long you been here? Five months. Five months. December five December thirty first, two thousand and two. We rolled into town. Two thousand and twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. <laughs> twenty two. Oh, like yeah. when Paul Rodriguez was here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, you, have you made connections with with there's, folks? Yeah, here? there's a couple. There's a couple of uh, Facebook groups I've mm-hmm. talked to. There's a meetup called Alamo Film Group. Mm-hmm. They meet up. I happened to come across them on Facebook one day, and so yeah. went to that. Um, there's a couple of filmmakers like I said, I've talked to a little bit. 
haven't gotten my haven't delved in. Um, I'm trying to. I've got a. I've got two Texas features that actually I'm trying to get finished on my pitch proposals and the budgets because mm-hmm. um, I'd like to raise between eight hundred thousand to a million and shoot yeah. them both back to back. They're one's a sci-fi horror film, um, which probably guaranteed to get your money back on that, and the other's a uh, teenage coming of age. Oh, cool! But they could be both shot in the same town. Mm-hmm. It, it probably wouldn't be like downtown San Antonio, but one of the towns that are a suburb that have a little downtown area. Another one's going to be out, kind of in the country. So I could shoot them in the area, or right. shoot them in Texas. Yeah. And if I could shoot them, get the money all at once, and just shoot them back to back, I'm going to save money because my crew is going to be double booked for two months. They're going to stick around. So now that you're in Texas, is there any director or any filmmaker right now, not big filmmaker, of course, but like a small one that you've seen that like this guy may be on something or maybe something we need to be looking at? I honestly haven't looked that deep yet um, because the first several months it was really just trying to get the furniture here and the house set up and all the – Stuff you got to do your license and your cars. It's crazy. You got to register your car before you get your license here in Texas. Um, so you know, just kind of doing that stuff. So I haven't really delved deep into who who's here in Texas. Um, I've talked to a couple of people like that are from here, but one guy lives up outside of Dallas. Um, he's a cinematographer. His brother is uh, an actor, pretty well known. So who lives here in town and. Cool. So I'm kind of, you know, kind of trying to figure it out, trying to find who, who's interested in film as far as investing or wanting to just be a part of it. So it's. Had you been to San Antonio before? This oddly enough, I was here on October twenty second with Paul Rodriguez, nineteen eighty seven, with my with my sister. Really. The H E B out on Austin Highway. Yeah. They flew us in to do a. I don't know if it was a grand opening. They were doing a connection with Wheel of Fortune in a contest mm-hmm. with H-E-B. Oh, wow. So we flew out, went to that H-E-B, hung out with H-E-B executives that day at Cadillac Bar for lunch and kind of showing us around. Mm-hmm. And that was the only time I was ever here. And I and I couldn't remember what it was for until yeah. I finally Googled it when I got here. And I've actually found one little snippet out of the newspaper that has for a picture and talks about the oh, thing. Oh, wow. So, How were the drugs here then? <laughs> I, I, didn't do any, I, I, I did do some tequila at the uh, Cadillac yeah. bar, but nice Cadillac bar. Yeah, it's changed a lot since then, Chip. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. Did you do any fiesta this year? We did. You did. Yeah, we. Yeah. Um, let me see. We think of what we did. King Williams Fair. We did King Williams Fair. We did um, the Friday night. There was a big black tie garden party. We went to. Um, got mostly rained out, but we were able to. It was a like an hour's worth inside, oh, cool. um, which was a bummer because it's supposed to be like 300 people, and it's this huge thing Damn. that's the pre-event for the one at the Botanical Garden. We went over to that one. It's some giant, I don't even know the name of it, Queen something, man. It was, yeah. it was a little overwhelming. I remember we kind of left because I was just like, uh, I don't know anybody here. And I'm kinda, oh, yeah. I literally didn't know. So, Imposter syndrome? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Have, do you get that? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, especially back in Hollywood days. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah, even today, it's weird. It's like, you know, I'm 62. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I've been up and down, and I don't don't know why, because I know going in, it doesn't matter how wealthy someone is or who they are. They're just another person. Right. But sometimes I'll still get that mental mental thing, like, oh, man, 
and they they know I don't belong here. They right. know I don't, they know that I'm driving a Honda. You know, yeah. <laughs> <A little> fraud. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I definitely still get that. Um, maybe it'll change. I don't know. Do you have other siblings? We do. I have. Uh, so my father was married before. So I have a half brother. Mm-hmm. His name is Joe Spencer White. He's in New York City, and he was actually a Broadway dancer um, and actor. He did several off-Broadway stuff. He traveled doing Annie and a bunch of other, Peter Pan and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And then Van and I grew up together. And then after my mom died, my dad remarried. So I had four stepbrothers and sisters. Um, uh, The brother and one of the sisters have passed, so I have two stepsisters. So Vanna was like your Kim Kardashian, huh? Yeah, Uh she she and I grew up together. What does that mean? Like she put... put the family on. put him on the map yeah I, was your dad in entertainment no what my dad, got y'all into it vanna vanna 100 what, what got so, her into it though so, i mean beside yeah. her going out was was that it was that she was she a model in, she was a model her- so when we were kids uh, my dad worked in the post office my mother had um, an office supply business and some other stuff there was a tv show called rap patrol mm-hmm you need to look that one up. Rat it was Patrol. A, Rat Patrol. <laughs> it was. It was an actor called Christopher George. He was the lead. The guy on the third one there. He. We called him Uncle Chris. My mother grew up with him. Oh wow! So when <laughs> when my sister saw him on TV, she goes, "That's what I want to do. I want to be on TV." That's bad. Wow. So he was. Uh, he was her inspiration. And did she tell you like, "Hey, Chip, you need to come out here with me," or was it just like she did oh. in the in the eighties? She kept saying, you know, our mother, our mother had passed, and I was working in bars, and she goes, you should come out. And I kept kind of going, okay. And then finally she had a manager who um, I think he's passed since then, named, excuse me, Tor. And he brought me out to L.A., kind of helped me get set up. And I lived with her for a while, then set me, helped me get set up, pay me, get set up in an apartment, rented a car for me and all this. And I was kind of doing research. I think he really was, is like, if I keep Vanna's brother happy. <coughs> I keep Vanna yeah. happy. Yeah, I keep Vanna happy. But she really hadn't taken off yet she had just done some movie parts and stuff did she ever tell you like hey chip i'm setting you up with all these opportunities and you're just shoving it up your nose what the fuck's going on no unfortunately she probably should have yeah. she's um, super nice she's super nice oh i mean my gosh. you know Has she, she ever cussed at you yeah yeah, she finally gets. No, there's like, just a couple times she's <laughs> she's not the toxic. brother and sister our <laughs> sister <laughs> has cussed at us many a time yeah no she uh <laughs> i think she was didn't realize how bad it was I mean, because mm-hmm. at one point, did you hide it from her? Were you I like- hid it from everybody. I thought I was, thought I was hiding it from everybody. <laughs> so you're um, locked on in the club, like, <laughs> yeah. No, until his wife saw it on the counter, like, yeah, dude, no, no, they <laughs> you can't do this anymore. It was uh, yeah. probably in 2000. No, even before then, probably 1998. Um, I had, I realized I had a problem, and I said something to her and to my wife, like, you know, hey, I've got this problem. You know, like I said, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna take care of it. Um, and she goes, I'll send you to rehab. I'm like, no, I got this. And for like nine months, I did really good. You know, I mean, I was still drinking, but I just, I wasn't doing the Coke. Um, and then one day out of the blue, you know, it's like, hey, talking to my buddy, I said, let's get a gram. Oh, man. And that started the last probably. Randomly? Randomly. Were y'all drinking? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> when you say randomly, it was like one of those things, oh, I've been off it so long. If I, if I have a line, I'm going to be, be fine with it. It just comes into your mind just when comes, you're drinking. Yep. And and didn't think because I didn't understand you know the the process of being addicted and 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 the allergy of what 
once I do it, I'm done. And and that started the last probably two year run where it really went downhill. Do you ever smoke weed? Yeah, I did. I you didn't like know. it. No, but yeah. Well, it was an offering. The funny thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, the funny thing was was you know I did a little bit, but I was at a party in the '80s, man, and I choked. And I coughed so hard, oh. I had to go outside and literally lay on the ground, man. And I was high as I've ever been. Damn. And ever since then, mm-hmm. 90% of the time if I would take a hit, I'd mm-hmm. choke and I'd get too high. I'm like, no. Nope. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't my thing yeah. after, after that. Now, before that, you know, yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, I quit for a few years because that's what it would do. And at any time, I would just, like, take a couple of hits it would be the highest ever, and I'd be throwing up, and I'm like, this is not fun for anybody. What the fuck? Yeah, and I always like to go the other direction. I like to go up. I yeah. did. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm lazy. I needed the energy, I guess. Have you ever had Adderall? Don't even. No, I saw you. you know, <laughs> <laughs> He's stopping them now. He's stopping well, them now. Because he looked jokes. real quick. He's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> you get on to Mexico, dude. I'm telling you, best time of your life. I do wow. remember X. It was X when I was. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you take it? Couple times, back in back in the did 90s. you have a sexual experience? <laughs> Maybe. And was it worse? <laughs> not so good. So, but pre-X, there was before X was legal. There was mm-hmm. a thing called MDA, mm-hmm. methylene dioxyamphetamine. Not MDMA. That was the legal version. Oh wow! MDA was the illegal version, and mm. it was the. The least you did could be more hallucinogenic, and the more you did, it could be more like speed. But wow, it was suicide sex. <laughs> suicide sex? Oh yeah, man! It you was have like a heart attack. No, you'd be oh. like, I'm not stopping. Every everything. Oh no, is poor woman. My wow, <laughs> uh, for both. So you yeah. would both take it, and it's like you just go, go, go. Yeah, this was in the '80s and early '80s at the beach. Fuck, and- I knew I should have been. Born in the 80s. They, you would have had to have been born in the 70s. Well, they still have the to have the ingredients. I drugged out fucking baby, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, what they, happened to that drug? Uh, the, whatever, was, I don't know. What are the ingredients? It got commercialized and it became... It came out MDMA. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <we're> wrong. <laughs> but in whatever happened to MDA? Kill side effects. Oh, no. We don't want to know the side effects. No. That's MDMA. Uh, we need MDA. MDA. It was a powder. You ever watch oh, Breaking Bad? So, I, you know, I didn't watch the whole series. I watched really? a little bit of it, but yeah. So what in, what what makes you interested in in a movie? You know, because you're watching it with a different lens. Yeah. Uh, a story. Uh-huh. I like a good Fun story. Um, I, I'm not a big experimental movie guy. You know, the like the A24 film. stuff. You're not big in, or like some of the A24. No, it's not that. It's by experimental. I mean, it's like here's a light bulb swing for oh, ten minutes, you know, and here's a ballet dancer for fifteen minutes doing the mm-hmm. same move, and you know, here's a water faucet. I remember watching my, at a festival, and there was a water faucet. And it was kind of like it was drawn, but you know, I took the faucet and drew it for like five minutes, and went, and okay, I'm, 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 I know I'm looking for something, and at the yeah. end, I'm like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> I just wasted five minutes or ten minutes of my life, and I went to Sundance once, and you know, you have to pre-order everything online. I would, it was my first time. I didn't know it, and I ended up buying a block of experimental shorts. Oh my god, I thought I was gonna die. I took a nap. watching them. Oh my god, I took a nap during one. It was like someone put a blood drop underneath a slide, you know, and mm. slowly just and, watched all the yeah. And I'm like, 15 minutes. I'm like, 
And then it was one where... <laughs> but it's like going to an art museum and looking at a mountain yeah. and somebody being like, that's the most incredible mountain yeah. anybody's ever... And you're like, it's a fucking mountain. Exactly. I've seen a mountain before. It's like that yeah. painting right there where some of us Stop. love it and other people hate it. It's a beautiful painting. I like the painting. Thank yeah. you. So so that... So, but a story... <laughs> I like a good story. Um, it's like being fat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a story... Um, Shorts versus feature films. It, what is? What, it, are people doing shorts so that they can get to the level where Most people are investing time, yeah. for, for um, feature films? Yeah, I mean, if you're, it's kind of like a calling card, right? Gotcha. Or you have to prove what you know. You're not, you're, you're not going to paint one painting and right. more than likely sell it for a million dollars. You, you might get ten dollars for it, then twenty. Then you know, you kind of work your way. It's the same with shorts. If unless I'm rich. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to finance my own film. I've got to prove to you that if you give me your money, yeah, that I can do what I say. Well, that's where the Pixar came from, right? With the yeah. lamp. I yeah. mean, it just came from a lamp short. Yeah. Um, sling blade was a short. Oh, really? Whiplash. Yeah, it was what, was a short. Some call it a sling blade. Was the actual short. Oh, so some shorts become become yeah. features. Dispatch. Black Dispatch. We yeah. were hoping to make a feature. It looks like it can be just based on the freaking yeah, clip that I watched. Just, I was uh, like. Oh man, if that's a short, that's great. How how it leaves you with the with the cliffhanger, but it 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 was just a, that was just the an yeah. ad for it. So I need to, yeah, I definitely need to see where that cliffhanger goes. Um, Whiplash, you remember Whiplash, the with the drummer drum movie with J.K. Simmons? He won Mm-mm. Best Actor. <laughs> it's about a bad time to tell you that I'm terrible at watching movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Whip, Whiplash was a short mm-hmm. um, and became a feature. Won the Oscar. J.K. won the Oscar for it. Oh shit. Um, most people That's recognize J.K. Simmons from. Uh, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You just won an Oscar. And about um, Bronx Tale. Um, You've never watched a Bronx Tale? I don't think but it was a short. Really? Though, was it? But no, it wasn't yeah. a short. But it's it's a beautiful movie. That's, yeah. that's uh, one of his favorites. Steamboat yes. Willie was I a think short. It's the, for all, also, <laughs> and it spawned all of Disney. Yeah. What, um, what made uh, the movie the short that I watched yesterday? Black what? Black Dispatch. Dispatch. Um, cinematography of it. Yeah. And, like. What is he using to record with camera? Is now he used to use flip? You said flip cameras to make his yeah, shorts. Yeah, those were you know they were just yeah more video yeah. movies. So yeah. um, Bernardo, I can't think of his last name, was our DP on it, and I can't remember what we sh- if we shot that on Ari or Red or um, I can't even remember what what camera. They- I'm not the tech dude. It's beautiful. Gardens of the Galaxy was shot on Red. I saw it in the credits yesterday. I was like Red. Like, I knew exactly like what it was. $17,000. Yeah, they're expensive. They're expensive. Amazing. Yeah, so for me, it's like, as a producer, I'm going to... We're shooting s- on an iPhone 13. Hey, <laughs> at least top of the line. Yes, um, and, and 11. The, uh, it never works, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I don't know technically really the camera parts or the lighting. All mm-hmm. As a producer, I will say to you, if you're the DP, we chose, we choose. Mm-hmm. Especially for a short, more so than a feature, but for a short, I'm going to say to you, I've got, I've got five thousand dollars that's dedicated to you and your department. I don't care how you divide it up, I'm, you, how who you hire, that's what you got. And in the end, you've got to promise me that you're going to be able to deliver a movie. It's going to look like that. It's not going to look like a really nice video. I'll say it to the director, the art department, everybody. I will go out of my way to do everything I can to get you what you need. Gotcha. Location, actors, props, anything. Mm-hmm. 
if you promise these four things, it's going to look, sound, and feel like a movie. I do not want to walk away with a really nice video. And by that, I mean my friends going, oh, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. You want them to be affected by it. I want them at the end to go, dude, that was a movie. I want more. You yes. Know, tell me what happened. Hit. What happened to this guy? What happened to that guy? What? 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 That's what. That's what I want from anyone. So, kind of for for those of us who are, who are laymen, what exactly does a producer do? He is. Well, let me he's tell you. Right, fucking there. <laughs> he does it every podcast, fucking bro. Christ. No. Like when we're looking at the movie, his industry. name is being the producer. <laughs> you want to ask him what the fuck I've, a producer I've does? To, to podcasts where they have a producer, Jesus and I know Christ. I kind of have an idea what they do. But for who those of us who don't you? know, what exactly does a producer do? Because in the movie, people. in the movie industry, yeah. not Google a, producer. Yeah, not All right. a podcast producer. Jesus, that's the <laughs> question you came up with. We have Vanna White's fucking brother, and you want to ask him what is a I think a, a person who produces, bitch. <laughs> it's like a, a general contractor. If you're gonna if you're gonna build a house, right? You you decide you want to build a house. Uh, you're gonna be the executive producer, or so you're gonna go. I've got. I want to build this house. I've got to go find my my lot. I found this lot that I want. I want to. I want that lot. And I want to build my house on that lot. I found this script that I want. I want but I now I got to go uh, get the money. So I got to go to the bank and say, Hey, I've got this lot mm-hmm. and this blueprint for uh, what I want to buy. We give me the money. I'm going to give you X amount down. Hmm, I don't know how to build a house. Who am I going to hire? I need a contractor. So that you, you hire the, the contractor, that's a producer, and the producer's going to then go to you as a general contractor. I'll take care of all the subcontractors. I'll make everything, you know, I'm going to be here every day. You just go back to work and make more money because <laughs> it's going to cost you. Um, and that's kind of the way the easiest way to explain it. A short would be I'm going to build a cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to step up to a, a, a short mm-hmm. Feature film like an hour long. When I'm going to build a duplex, or I'm going to build a house. Right. You know, I keep building. If I'm making a Marvel movie, I'm building a skyscraper. Right? And how many people does yeah. it take to build a skyscraper? How many right. production? How many construction companies really does it take to build a skyscraper? How many producers does it take? Yeah, is it maybe. just one? Oh, no, no, right. Oh, you get, and there's different levels. What the hell's the difference between an executive producer and a, just executive, a producer? executive producer? Usually, is really finding your money, getting your money, <clears> and <throat> and teaming the producer and the director, maybe teaming everybody up. Producer can also do that. He can help find money. Mm-hmm. Producer's a little more hands-on usually than an executive producer. They're usually out trying to find money for the next project or something. Gotcha. So it can be more hands-on. You can have a line producer who really goes through your your script and really helps keep every line item in the budget mm-hmm. on, on task. So, I mean, you've got to have the producer's vision and, and the director's vision. Is that clashing often, um, or is is it, it once it's now, director's it, it, job? Then yeah, it depends on it. the it depends on who you're producing with. For me, it's like I, I've got I read the script and I get a vision, mm-hmm. but you're the director right. and you're the writer. Yeah, so I'm really my job is to help produce your vision. Gotcha. Um, so I'm going to collaborate with you and see if we're on the same page mm-hmm. to see if I if I can if I can deliver what you're looking for. Gotcha. Without getting too much. This is my video, you know? right? So I try to I try to make sure that I can give you what you want. Um, I'll, I'll do input. I'm not going to stand behind you and tell you how to direct it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to stand behind the actor and tell him how to act. I'm not going to stand behind the art department and tell him what to do. I may make suggestions, mm-hmm. or I might say, "Hey, we got this location. Let's ditch that one because this one's better." Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I'm, I'll, I'll do all that. Or they may say, hey, what about this actor? I go, what about this actor? You know, you know. so I'll try to do everything I can to make it better or, or get what your vision is. Um, now, again, I may make suggestions. Right. Um, there was a scene in A Chess Player where there's the dad sitting there on the by the door with a gun in his lap and a little pistol. And I went to the actor and I was like, dude, on the next take, just cock it. It wasn't Alec Baldwin, was it? No. Okay, good. I was like, <laughs> I was like just, just, just cock it, don't move it, don't do anything. And uh, he's like, all right. And then, of course, Shay said, okay, we're done, let's move on. I'm like, no, we need, oh, one, no. We need, we need one more take here. I know, like, and I'm done. Like, we need oh, the no. cock scene. And I was like, I was like, ah, oh, man, you know. So we, oh, never, we, so did, so we didn't, didn't do happen. it. No, because he couldn't get him to convince him to do another take. What do you think about um, doing a comedy movie? I love comedy. It's, yeah. you know, Have you done one before? I've been involved in some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one called uh, A Twist Full of Dollars out right now. It's kind of doing the film festival circuit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't deeply involved at the end. In the beginning, I was, and then COVID hit. And once COVID hit, man, for like two and a half years, three years, I've had no motivation hardly to really – it's every now and then I've kind of picked up something, but now it's involved in the beginning and then I just a fistful of dollars. Twist, 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 twist full of dollars. dollars. Twist. The COVID has done something to the psyche of people. If you will, twist full of dollars. As far as motivation goes, nope, not that one. Not 1964. Oh, Jesus no. Christ, he's. <laughs> no, you went to a fistful. How old were you in '64? Me. Yeah. Four. Four. <laughs> 1960. <laughs> Damn, so you don't even have an opinion on Kennedy assassination. No. Oh. But the conspiracy theories are different. Aren't they amazing? <laughs> you know the difference between a cons- um, difference between a conspiracy theory and reality? What? Six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've learned that pretty fucking well. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's it right there. <clears throat> I think that's it. Indiegogo. Hi. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's that's the Indie Gogo. The film's out now, but it's a comedy. Um, I love comedies. So this is a, a sort a crowdfunding a, type thing. Yeah, they did a crowdfunding back. Um, I don't know if it's still. I don't think it's still up now. It's three minutes. Go for it. Check the volume. Good job. She's doing so well on her first day. Imagine a world where two rivals, both fierce and skilled competitors, face off in the most epic battle of skill, talent, and creativity, producing magical reality-bending <laughs> results. At a kid's party. Bro. With balloons. Such is the premise of our new comedic short film, A Twist Full of Dollars, by Thingamajig Media and Stack 3 Productions. Hi, I'm Kevin Murray, the writer and director of A Twist Full of Dollars. You may know me from previous award-winning shorts such as Little Angel, Practice, and the quirky crowd-pleaser For Love, now on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Hi, hey! You may know some of my That's other him, movies. Y'all. Electric Jesus, Crab Trap, Black Dispatch, My Luchador, and A Chess Player. <laughs> I'm Ted Patterson. I play the good, likable balloon twister in A Twist Full of Dollars. And I'm Zade Patterson. I play the bad, conniving balloon twister. <laughs> okay. So while Twist Full of Dollars is intended to be a quirky comedy centered around the most epic balloon duel ever put to screen thus far, it also centers on the themes of self-confidence, 
rising to challenges, overcoming obstacles, and believing in oneself, no matter what others may say or think. An entertaining yet heartfelt story with relatable characters and situations. But look, <laughs> we're talking epic balloon battles. Epic! Epic! <laughs> As such, the, the film <laughs> highlights a unique and underappreciated field of entertainment, balloon twisting. And just as the two balloon twisters endeavor to bring joy to their <laughs> audience of children, this short film intends to bring joy to its audience as well. Aww. <laughs> it takes a village I want to see this so bad. From the combined talents of our incredible <laughs> cast and crew. From pre-production through production and post. The editing, the scoring, all the needed gear, the props, the location, the food, everything else in between. It's not possible without the support of folks like you. We invite you to join us and those who have already committed to supporting our film. You can help make a difference and be a part of something amazing. <laughs> Epic Balloon Battle. For more info on how you could show your support, click the link. And thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Seriously, dude, what the? Do <laughs> you miss those guys? Yeah. Yeah, Kevin's super nice. And, and like I said, I didn't get to do as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, just like so I said, cool. COVID hit, and then I just. But that's yeah. one of those, like, quirky films that you know is just going to be, it, it, it's going to be a good watch. It was fun. You know, it's a fun little short. It, it tells the story it needs to tell. It, you you, you kind of like, it's kind of like my luchador. You kind of go. I got the story I needed to hear. It doesn't need to be a feature. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to go anymore. It, it told what it needed to tell. So the juices start flowing when the project's rolling. Is it? Is, yeah. Like, in the meantime, right now, is, is the meantime kind of right? We're like trying to find the next project or thinking through it, but is it? It's, it starts kicking in. When, yeah, when you start talking to people and yeah. you think, mm, do I want to be involved in that or do I not? It's like uh, the one at the, at the beach back home it's next month. I'm not committed yet, yeah. but I'm already like, hey, here's some people that you might want to talk to about acting. Here's someone you might want to talk to about catering. You know, here's I'm already kind of trying to help them do stuff instead of waiting until I'm getting paid. <laughs> Are you still working on that reality show you're working on? You were thinking about, you are mulling over, you were combining two shorts, oh, Low Country. Oh, so um, I wrote a script, a short called... Um, Above all else, mm -hmm. it's about just with addiction and alcoholism and stuff, and and I, I pitched this to people trying to get some money because I was trying to get a, a decent budget, like sixty grand, <laughs> which is a lot for a short. It's huge, but I wanted to actually go back and pay my cast and crew, um, excuse me, real day rates instead of short film rates because they've worked on so many of the other stuff for free or next to nothing. I was like, you know what? Let me just try to raise money. And say, hey, look, I'm going to pay you your day rate so that. We're, we're square. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the investors I was talking to, he goes, you know, why don't you write that one and then take Crab Trap and write another one and, and make a feature because then you've already got one shot. And then and I started thinking about, I could actually take Crab Trap and a chess player and the mm -hmm. one I wrote and rewrite the one I wrote and then write some interstitials. Right. And I could connect them and I'd have two-thirds of, of a feature. So you shot. went from being a chess player to... 
well, there, there, well, there's a there's in the chess player, I end up in, in jail. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you how. But <laughs> oh, okay, cool. But I, end up, but, I end up, but I end up in prison. Um, and in Crab Trap, at the end, Thirsty's standing there, and you wonder what could have happened to him. Mm-hmm. And then in mine, the uh, above all else, the character he ends up in prison. I'm not gonna tell you how. Mm-hmm. But there could be that connection of the prison is how they all three connect, mm. and because one because Crab Trap is about an alcoholic, mm-hmm. it, there's that connection there. Even though a chess player is not about an alcoholic, it's this this guy's addicted to chess, right? I mean, he it's all he breathes and eats and sleeps, so it's an addiction into another part. So, but I haven't made I haven't. <laughs> I haven't sat down and written the interstitials yet. <laughs> that's like an interesting premise, though, because like there's other movies like like crashes like that too, right? Where Crash. Yeah. So that funny you say that because when I wrote my short mm-hmm. um, and in the pitch deck, uh, Paul Haig is my the the inspiration behind the idea for it. I'm watching um, the big interview with Dan Rather, and Paul is on there, and he talks about the uh, crash and a million dollar baby how he likes to put characters in a position where they have to make a choice that is life altering no matter which way you go right um and so i'm sort of thinking well what if, what in my life could i relate to if that was the choice and the bottom line would be if someone said you're either going to do drugs or you're going your family's going to die what's your choice going to be you know, so what's the character? What's, wow. the, what's the character's? You know, what's the character's choice yeah. going to be? Yeah. Um, so I kind of wrote this short around that idea. Which drugs? <laughs> <laughs> Which drugs are we doing? Yes. <laughs> Which drugs? And is it all my family? Yeah. <laughs> or but you, certain ones? So yeah. Can I pick? Yeah. <laughs> what are you most proud of? Ooh, um, that's tough, man. Because I'm, I'm extremely proud of Electric Jesus for the fact that it was a independent feature that we raised over two million dollars to do wow um that was the budget for for it it was about 2.3 wow Um, and how did it do and what happens when it doesn't do two million well it's still out there so it's it's probably one of those ones that's going to over the next 10 years make its money um unfortunately we shot 2019 Mm -hmm. ready to distribute on 2020 Mm -hmm. and then covid covid so It for a year wow. just kind of sit there trying to figure out the, all the distri- distribution platforms are were trying to figure out what the hell to do with movies, right? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Um, so it it's it uh, is taking us a while to to get there, and unfortunately, it hasn't hit like a trend, you know, like on Apple or or um, Prime or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, Hadn't hit that trend where it, where it's got enough to really pick up steam. Well, and we're gonna do our best to. There you go. I'm gonna go get watch our it. 35. I, I mean, I'm gonna. It looks yeah. good. I mean, I like I Brian Baumgartner. In general. The, the music's did. great. You can go on. There's a couple of action music videos yeah. out there. Um, Commando for Christ. So you've watched it start to finish I've, I've, over and over. Oh yeah, film festivals in the theater, um, mm-hmm. online. How do you feel when you watch it? I see something new every time. Still, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at oh I remember why we did that and this and 
Um, but yeah, that's that's the cool part, right? Yeah. It's like each scene, you you know which part you were involved in, or you all had ideas where you, yeah. you're like, man, I remember we could have went this way with it, but. And and the more I watch it, the more I see the the subtleness in Brian Bumgarner's um, acting acting abilities. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, he's nothing like Kevin Malone in it, and and there's just certain things where if you watch him, and he was just so on 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 timing with it, with a facial expression mm-hmm. or something in the background. It's like yeah, he's, he's there's a couple points where like he's he's this desperate promoter and he's, he's got like one last shot you know he's got it on these kids and there's a couple of times you can see the desperation on his face as his character mm-hmm. and it's like oh man yeah he just really nails it i think that people are kind of glossing over his performance right because of being locked in the story or whatever you know only seeing it one time you kind of go but if you start watching it man, you know what there's there's a lot going on and he does a great job so is that the way it works with films um like if 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 it, people aren't anticipating that film to come out, but it's a film like Electric Jesus, which you know nobody's heard of it, nobody is anticipating it. It kind of hits smaller theaters until it gains that traction. And well, we then, didn't even do a theater release because oh, because of COVID. Oh, okay, it went yeah. straight. To- so it's it went straight to streaming, um, and and I don't know what our dis- distributor did, but so do you think now in the age of streaming, where it's pretty big now, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, me personally, I pay for everything when I. Sh- Probably shouldn't, but do you think that's a better avenue for independent films or smaller films like this now, or do you think there's still like a balance that needs to be struck by the, by maybe small distributions at the theater and then streaming? I, look, I love going to the theater and watching a movie. Um, it gives me a chance to really be in the story. Like I'm invested now. I've got some time and some money into it. Mm-hmm. At home, got my phone. Yeah. I, I got to go to the bathroom. The dog's barking. Wait, what? You know? So you don't, and and it's not forty feet wide with this incredible sound system. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think that sh- films should get a shot at the theaters. Um, can you get people back in the theater again? It's tough, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's expensive. I think theater ticket prices need to come down. And, and the prices, food. And, yeah, and <laughs> you know, and uh, not for you. That's where they make their money. It's concession, a lot of it. So yeah. I, I get that they're high, but man, you know, be realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Um, I think you get more audience. Well, that's any entertainment, right? Oh, like it is. you go Sports, to it's yeah concerts. It's crazy. Everything. It's crazy. Realist- it's gouging. Realistically, when do you think we'll see the next um, your next project? Like time frame wise, mm, out probably probably a year unless things you change. Putting back under. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. That's why I was asking. Um, Rich. There's a <laughs> TV. Uh, Docu series, we're kind of pitching around. If if we can get that to connect, it'll probably be sooner because those t- television tends to run quicker than film. Um, so if I could get the backing for that, where we're looking for it, that would probably be in six months. We would at least probably have the first episode starting to hit. Once once it once we get the money, once we it, once we have funding, we could probably flip the first episode in four months, three months. Have you told anybody? I don't know. Um, that's part of the Electric Jesus uh, movie. To just make little shorts of it and just post it on TikTok to see if it gets traction. They're, they're doing it. It's out there. They're starting. Yeah. They're starting to yeah. do little, little clips and little spots. And, and it, yeah, they're they're out there. They're, yeah, because I saw there's like so many movies you just come across and you're like, what fucking movie is that? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. can look it up and then you go watch it. Yeah, they're starting to do it. And it's funny because I started watching the 
TV series Lucifer because of that. You know, just seeing clips when, oh, yeah. I remember when that show came out. I never watched it, so I started watching it the other night just to kind of because of clips. Is it good? I've never seen it. It's about Lucifer? It's about yeah. the devil? Yeah. Yeah. yeah on, earth. Know, on Earth. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, um, and he's trying to be good, I well, think. Well, it... Oh, like so me. Like whole, yeah. yeah, you might relate to it. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good premise. Wow. <laughs> what are you least proud of? Ooh, I'm least proud of. What project makes you cringe? Like, fuck, Chip, what were you doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what I was <laughs> doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably the talk show. I don't know. Um, Is that what it's called? Vanna White's Brothers Talk Show. Oh really? Yeah. That's what it's called. You know, so, I, so the, hold on, can we the, go back the, to the, it? The humor was yeah. in in the '90s when we actually did this. Yeah, that's actually my backyard. We actually did this. Was the fact <laughs> that everybody everybody was getting a talk show, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody was getting a talk show. I'm like, well, why not Vanna White's brother? <laughs> Let's just be right up front with what yeah. <laughs> with what it is. Uh, did that bother you uh, being called Vanna White's brother, or does it? No. Um, does it probably bother bothers her? That, that, does, it feel, does it ever feel like a shadow? There like, goes Vanna White's brother shadow. again. Right. Yeah, they named him White for a reason, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> my last name is White, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, it's funny. My the parent company was actually called White Ideas, the, but the original Stack Three, yeah, right, is under White Ideas. White Ideas. And, and people go, "Are well, you racist?" I'm like, "Dude, it's <laughs> my, <laughs> literally it's my, funny." So I, so I came up with Stack Three Productions. Stackley is my middle name. Ah, oh, so okay. my dad, my father, and my son. Mm-hmm. And then you could also stack TV, video, and film. So, oh, your son is the third? No, I'm the third. Actually. You're the third. He's he's Crawford Stackley White. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and gosh, I'm yeah. Herbert Stackley White the third. Oh. So my dad and son are actually both in the chess player also. Mm-hmm. How long? It, really? Yeah. Oh, so, they're in there. Yeah. So oh, wow. my dad plays my dad. In, Dang! In is the, your dad still alive? No, he passed away April first last year. Ninety-six oh, years old. Where's the name Chip come from? A year ago. Chip off the old block. Really? Yeah. This right here, dude. This this is my father. I oh, could, okay. if I wanted to deny who my father was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> no. Nah. But is it Chip? Is it that's yeah. your name? It's chip not off the nickname. Old block? That's well, Herbert Stackley White the third. Oh, Herbert. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. yeah, literally chip off the old block. Wow. How old was I'd, your father? Pa- I'd was rather father? be called Chip than Herbert. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. Neither neither one. Re- oh, Chip. Oh, Chip. Oh, Herbert. Oh, Herbert. Uh-huh. <laughs> Herbie. <laughs> Herbie. It's like every every yeah. experience is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I hear fucking Herbert in my ear. Well, you know, you know, there's like um, four kinds of orgasm, right? There's the religious orgasm. Oh God! Oh God! Uh, yeah. Oh God! There's the the uh, negative orgasm. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! There's the positive orgasm. Oh yes! Oh yes! Oh yes! And there's the fake orgasm. Oh chip! Oh chip! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a conversation with my wife when I get home. <laughs> How old was your father when he passed? Ninety six, almost ninety seven. Nice long life. Yeah, yeah, he had a good, he had a good run. You guys have uh, great genes, then. I mean, yeah. Well, my mother died. My mother died in nineteen eighty. So, <laughs> but yes, but your sister looks amazing, yeah. right? For I mean, she's still on the Wheel of Fortune, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. How close have they ever got? Have they ever gotten to ending that show? Their contract ends. 2014, but they're in negotiation. 2024. Uh, yeah, 2024. Wow. But they're they're in negotiation to, to keep to, it going. Keep it going. It's still as it's still popular. It's still popular. Mm-hmm. Still on TV, buddy. I, that was my favorite show. 
Was it? It was my favorite show, and it, and even it, now I still like it. If if I'm flipping through and it's on, I'll stop and watch it oh, and yeah. just try to guess the word. I don't have cable, <clears throat> but yeah. anytime it was funny. Like whenever I would turn on the TV and I'd flip the channels, I'm like every time it's yeah. always Wheel of Fortune. So on, on, last five minutes on May 10th. I don't know if this will be out by then. Probably not. What is today? We can make it happen. Yeah. So she she actually plays the game on May 10th for charity. Really? Yeah. She didn't do very well. So she plays as a contestant? Yeah. Who who turns the letters? I think Maggie. She left the podium, went over. Maggie Sajak, his daughter? Yeah. She's involved in the show. That's so Do you know if they felt any kind of way for the with the South Park episode of um Fortune? I don't know, man. You know what? Did you see that episode? Hey, it's been a while, but hey, <laughs> dude, every, who hasn't done a parody of it or a show on it? I mean, it's oh, that's true. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that one was pretty bad. Oh wait, I thought you were talking about the nagging, right? Yeah, the yeah. okay. The right there. We can't say that on television. Oh play yeah, it. I remember the one. Yeah, play, play that. Play it's it. only one forty. <laughs> may have to edit now that. Now back though. to wheel of yeah. fortune. It's, it's South Park. They get a pass. Congratulations on making it all the way to the bonus round. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> You've got some family here watching tonight. Yeah, they're all rooting for me. And I'm sure you have lots of friends watching back home. Yeah. Hi, everybody watching in South Park. That's us. Hey, hey. Hi, Hi, Randy. Us. hey Randy. Hey, good luck. Well, let's see if you can't make everyone proud. The category is people who annoy you. <laughs> As always, we give you Christ. the letters R, T, S, L, and E. We just need three more consonants and a vowel. Okay, I'd like a B, an N, and a G. And the vowel? An O, please. Okay, well, looks like you're going to get a lot of help here. Category is people who annoy you. Audience, keep quiet. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh... Ten seconds, Mr. Marsh. Well, I know it, but I don't think I should say it. Five seconds, Mr. Marsh. All right, I'd like to solve the puzzle. Perfect. I nailed that. Nailed it. Uh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, naggers, of course. <laughs> uh, can we cut to uh can we cut to a <laughs> Oh my god, it's amazing how the South Park can do those things. Yeah. And they, they can still do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like even in today's environment. What do you think about today's environment? Cancel culture. It sucks. Yeah. You know, um I won't get political, but just look. Yeah, I mean, screw the polit- political part. I mean, it, a lot of it is political, but it's just the sensitivity of the human being nowadays. Do you think it's real? Do you think people are really sensitive I, or they like being... Well, uh, or I think do it's they like the attention? I, I think there's some people who really just want the attention from it. Like, I, I think Beans brought it up on an episode that we did where they're like, it, it's the people who are most offended are the ones not affected by it. Right. Um, so I think there that's part of it. But then there's I think there's truly people who may take offense because they were bred into it or they just heard it or they grew up with it all their life. Like like you guys make fat jokes. I don't take offense to that. I mean, I'm very self aware. I know I am overweight, but also Dude, we don't make fucking fat what jokes. What are you talking about? But also I know you guys are doing it <laughs> for a very specific reason. To make you lose weight. Yeah. 
to motivate to you. fat shame me. Yes, um, but it, it's it's like that mentality. Like it's true. Why why would I get mad? Yeah, and I think people just don't don't want to face up to that that it's a truth in their life. Right, like yeah. the stereotypes. There's something behind them. Well, yeah. it feels good to be a victim. And yeah. I think that it feels for for people. You know, when somebody dies, right? It 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 feels bad that they died, but it feels good that people are telling you, "I'm sorry," and I'm checking up on you. And if people want that, right? And yeah. if you can't get it, but somebody didn't die in my life, how else do I get it? Well, I can fabricate it. I can make it up. But what, what am I offended? And somebody's gonna say something to offend you. You know. Yeah. I couldn't, yeah. I mean, my, my generation, we are notorious for sticking our foot in our mouth. And I'm yeah. Trying, hope I don't stick my foot in my mouth today. So I'm trying to, gosh, you know, but it's, you can't, you it, can't say It's anything. exhausting it's like, though, Chip. Let go. It is. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> just you not know, too hey, much, like, Chip. Just not too much. You, if, you, if you offend me, what's the worst thing that can happen? Nothing. Right. Nothing. Exactly. So I'm offended. So what? Mm-hmm. You know what? What are you going to do? About every, it? every everything can offend you know anybody. Can, anything. Any, yeah, anybody can be offended yeah. by anything. It's like, and if well, you keep moving the 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 line, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cancel you. Well, I always there's a stupid saying. It's like the minute I point my finger at you, I've got three pointing back at me. Right, right. And if I if be careful where you throw stones, man. It's exactly. Like, now you started it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I always thought it's like you know if I'm gonna. If someone, if I'm going to run for president or something, and the reporter's going to go digging, I'm going to go. Well, let's go dig in your past. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really, if you that important. Well, we learned that if you run for president, you just keep throwing stuff out there that just changes the. Right. Yeah. I think that that was what we talked about in the last <laughs> well, last episode. I can, was, I can run now because all my shit's already out. <laughs> exactly. We just did you a favor. I'll just tell him, hey, just go to that podcast, yeah, just go to BFR podcast, yeah, and watch their previous episodes, and you'll see there's so much worse than me. Save save your research. It's but, all right there. What we talked about is is I think Trump had had the magic the magic ticket here because nobody can nail him down to anything because he does so much. Right, he does so many things. He says so many things that are offensive. That there's just so much content for them to you to can't deal dwell with. On just one thing, because right. you're they can't say he said this one. one thing, and and that was the worst thing he ever said. And then he then <laughs> Dude, we, we but, called him out for it, and he stopped saying it. He he doesn't stop saying it. Like yeah. he doesn't stop doing it. So there's so much saturation of stuff. They're like, ah oh, man, he's just Trump. We can't cancel him anymore. Joe Rogan, you know, they, yeah. they try to cancel Joe Rogan for it was ridiculous. It's easy. I mean, he's one of he's one of my idols. It was easy to defend him because if you listen to his episodes, you know what kind of man that person is. But he's also offensive too. There are episodes where he just shoots the shit with his buddies and they say offensive shit, but he doesn't stop. He's like, I'm gonna just keep going. They can keep trying to cancel me. I'm just gonna keep going. I'm just gonna keep going. That's all you can do, man. It's like, and what gives you what gives you the right to cancel someone, right? Just because they offended you, yeah. or said something stupid, or did. But no one's not made a mistake in their past, exactly. And yeah, some of it could be, you know, oh, so and so did blackface. Yeah, he did. If he's willing to make an, uh, Champ, are you trying yeah. to tell us something, no, Champ? I, I didn't. <laughs> Have you ever done blackface, Champ? No, I haven't, actually. Vanna White's brother talk show does blackface. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who did you have on the talk show? So I had um, Bill Clinton. <laughs> no, you had Bill Clinton? No, I had his brother, Roger. Roger <laughs> I think every talk That's show good. had Roger Clinton on it. <laughs> so, uh, we could have had Vanna White, but back, we had her brother, back, Chip. Back then, uh, Crystal Bernard. 
Well, she was an actress. I had she her sister. In... She was in uh, Wings. There you go. Oh, this yeah. is perfect. So it was, it was, so, it was siblings. <laughs> I need to see one of these. <laughs> I like so you had their their siblings. Yeah. Go to that That's one. Yeah. So it's basically, it was a 30-minute or an hour <laughs> show, we, and I've cut it down in clips on the online. Oh, my God. Holy siblings, Batman. It's Vanna White's brother's talk show. Who is that? Wowie zowie. That's Robin. Robin. From uh, Will of Fortune? No, Robin from Batman, Batman. and Robin. Oh, okay. <laughs> Burt Ward. Here's yeah. his name. Uh, so this is my wife right there. Wow. My wife is a looker. Or she may still be. I haven't seen the current picture. And I got my own, I got my own theme song, dude. Really? Okay, I'm gonna bro. Can I? Can I? Do you give me permission to run in with your theme song? Absolutely. Of the episode. Yeah. All right. That's verbal permission for the podcast. <laughs> That's hilarious. This is great. <laughs> Man and White Brothers talk show. Hi. Wait, is that you? I'm Chip White. This is my backyard. Welcome. Chip White. You had Elvis there? It is, man. Backyard, Vanna White's brother show, because yes, I am Vanna's brother. People are always asking, what was it like growing up with Vanna? What kind of childhood did you have? You had a pretty normal childhood. You're still asking. Just like everybody that. else. Every morning she'd come down from breakfast in this really great sequin dress. Do a little spin at the bottom of the stairs. This is amazing. Play and take my blocks. <laughs> this is them pure into some 90s kind of greatness. Then she'd go out to the car and just wait for us to go to school. Just like everybody else. <laughs> but she really was a good sister. She was really great. She always helped me with my homework. If I had trouble, she'd go, hey, let me help you, Chip. What's your worst, your worst problem other than speaking? She would say, Spe- spelling. <laughs> so let's work on your spelling. To this day, I sell over 500 bucks just in vowels. <laughs> Another thing is, people are always thinking, it must be easy being a celebrity's brother or sister. It's not that easy because you always have to deal with the same questions over and over and over. The same questions. Still. When I get, I get three. The first one, the, the really tough one I get all the time is, is Vanna doing Pat? No, she's not. I am. That's how she got the day. <laughs> <laughs> the second one I always get, they're always going to her, are they real? Of course they're real. They're 100% natural. All except this one crown, right? Back here. Bro. <laughs> and the third thing, the third question, which, and I'm sure you guys perpetuate this one, it's, does it bother you about the tabloids, about reading about your sister, about the family? It's like, well, first of all, I believe in freedom of speech, so I have to support the tabloids. She is a public figure, so they have a right to exploit them. And not only that, they pay great. <laughs> all the leaks came out. <laughs> Is that your wife back there? No. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, another thing too is my she, wife was she the helped singer. me move to L.A. Wow. And it was kind of a little adjustment being a Southern boy. People were saying, hey, you're going out to L.A., life in the fast lane. I've been here 10 years. I have been on the 405, the 101, the 10, even in the diamond lane, and I still haven't found the fast lane. <laughs> hey, but enough about L.A. <laughs> now we're going to have a great show. We have the President of the United States. Mr. Bill Clinton, brother Roger. <laughs> <laughs> we have from the hit NBC show Wings, Crystal Bernard's sister, Scarlett Bernard. <laughs> we also have King, and we have Rosie. Rosie, have a little cocktail there. A little oh, glass oh, of wine or something. Oh, right away. 
Mr. White, Mr. White. Thank you. Woo. I got a kiss. Jesus Woo! Christ. Woo! Yeah. That was vodka, by the way. We're going to be right back <laughs> with the king and everybody else. Stick around. Were you on cocaine at that time? No, not that night. Oh, good. <laughs> wow. But it feels like a, like this, That's fucking great. Like a talk show. Like a legit, like you had the monologue, you introduced yeah. everybody. Dude, like, we had five cameras. Um, we actually, that really was our backyard. Not a live um, audience? Yeah, there was some friends there for live audience. Wow. <laughs> Have you ever done stand-up? You know, the funny thing is when, I, when after I went back home to South Carolina and I was working in uh, a nightclub, I was emceeing all the wet T-shirts, the short shorts, and the uh, bikini contests and stuff. I thought I was pretty funny. So when I went back to L.A., I was going to do stand-up. And I realized you actually had to, like, write jokes and work really hard. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so the answer was, uh, no, I, I completely chickened out, man. Oh, man. We've been trying to get him to do stuff because we, we've – Come to the consensus, he's the funniest of all of us. Um, and we just can't get him up there. You know, it's harder. It, it, people think, oh, just because you're funny, you would be great. It, it's, yeah. And that's what I thought. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm improving as I'm doing these wet T-shirts. Because when you're on, like I'm doing these contests and I'm talking to the audience and they're laughing, I'm really, it's awesome. But then when I'm the next night I'm trying to do the same thing and it's chirping it's like it's uh i was telling them it's like it's forced when you have to go and actually put the pen to the paper and actually try to make a joke when it's you're just shooting the shit it's easier because this is coming straight off my top of yeah. my head and i've always said my brain works it just shoots out the fucking mouth if i go on to stage i can't go and try to memorize this shit and it takes me out of the moment and really. also you, you get up there and you you can't think like you were thinking the night before or you you just start you can't remember are you they're not the if the first couple of jokes bomb yeah and then you just you're starting to sweat and it's so it, it's hard man it, oh yeah but it, go for it one day one day where soon. did you perform at in la or where did oh, you try did oh you didn't it. try yeah, he chickened out yeah i chickened out did you ever go to the comedy store i did you did but i chickened out doing <laughs> trying to get on stage oh that's where you went where you chickened out i didn't even get on i mean i went I chickened it outside. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but that's where you, you... That's where I figured, you know what? They yeah. do an open night. I'll go yeah. give it a shot. And then it's like... Did you see anybody good there? I can't remember who I saw, dude. <laughs> 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 you know? This was the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So Polly Shore was there, right? Yeah. yeah this, his family owns it. Yeah. yeah. His mom owned it. He's yeah. still there, yeah. Yeah, he owns it now. He runs it now. Damn. Would you do it? Would you, like, now? Yeah, how about now? If I had the right jokes pre-ready and stuff. and Because and that's kind of what you were doing with the monologue. Yeah, you were yeah. totally well, it, was, it was written. I mean, yeah. I kept – it's funny because I tried to memorize, and I finally had to get him to do cue cards because I just couldn't get through the – You wrote it? Uh, or you had writers? Chris Craner, uh, the blonde waitress's husband at the time, He was, he's a writer mm-hmm. in L.A. He's written tons of stuff. and uh, He wrote the jokes mm. for me. He wrote were you monologue. nervous or you have a stutter? I was nervous. Oh, okay. I was like, you don't, you, you speak. So, well. um, how did Pat Sajak's fucking dick taste? <laughs> <laughs> and how big was it? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, Hollywood secrets. <laughs> Damn it. We can't get those. Damn it. <laughs> Between him and Weinstein, they're really getting out. <laughs> the, the Manson murders were in the 60s as well? 
seventies. Late sixties. Oh, that was before you went. Early seventies, somewhere there. Yeah, and um, my sister was, and I still kind of communicate with her on Facebook. Friends with Deborah, Deborah Tate. Who really? I mean, uh, yeah, Deborah, who was Uh uh, Shannon Tate's 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 sister. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What do you think about the Weinstein's though? Like the what? Oh yeah, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein. And that, and that, and that culture in Hollywood. Well, I think the better question is: Is that prevalent in in Hollywood? Like a lot of what the like. Don't I don't want to give grace to Harvey? Look look at me. Do I look like I'm getting cow still on the college dancing couch? (laughs) Well, no, but I'm sure. Uh, I mean, in their producer circle. I mean, you would have over there, though. I mean, that that hit. If I was Harvey Weinstein, I'd have been like, but like you, you. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the story. You want to be Batman? And, and <laughs> <laughs> how bad do you want to? Like, be? is it happening more often than not in Hollywood? Uh, you know, I'm sure it probably is. Um, I don't, you know, I wouldn't have the nerve to say, "Sleep with me" or not get the part. You know, because know. someone would. I mean, you know, what if she said no? But that's the thing. You know, it's like so. I'm sure it's there. I, I'm sure I've crossed the line of flirting and being funny and stuff. And me too. But I've never felt like I've ever put anyone in a position where it's like where they really had to think. Was he? Did did, do I? I'm like, no, man. Right? Was he serious? Yeah, I mean, it's never. And and if he did it, I. I don't know, man. It's like I'm sure there's stories from the beginning of Hollywood of it happening. Um, I think the hardest thing, though, is Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, is, he had a know, problem there. You know, if he did, when, yeah. When do you say something? I mean, if it's if you've had a career that's phenomenal and you've got right. yourself in photos with him over the last ten years at events, and yeah, all right. this, and yeah. you must know, have fucked him. Right, whether you did or you didn't, it's like yeah, it's kind of hard. Like, to, I saw an actor. I saw think. an actor uh, on Instagram or something yesterday that was saying like, um, "I thought it was. I thought Hollywood was this, and then um, I heard things about that, and then you heard about um, what's his name, the the Corey Feldman, no Terry 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 Cruz Terry Cruz." Uh, and he's like, and you know, people laughed at him because you're a big bulky guy. Like, who's gonna hit on you and make you feel uncomfortable? He goes, but. It, it was real. He goes, I remember going into the hotel room and um, the producer being there, or the director, whatever, uh, being there. And I go into his room and he's like, okay, you can be one of the next big Marvel uh, superheroes, but here's what you got to do. I, I need pictures of you naked. And he's like, what? Like, no, I can't do that. I thought you were going to say it was the Waynes brothers right before he, he got goes, the and then I go the and I see what's his name <laughs> No, he goes, and then I, he goes, I couldn't do it. He goes, and I, so I didn't become a superhero, you know, but then I see, you know, over Chris Pratt over here. Going, oh, fuck. Did he say Captain that? America. I think he said something about Chris Pratt. He mentioned Terry Crews. I think he mentioned, like, then you see Chris Pratt. Oh, fuck. Not Chris. Not your fuck Chris Pratt. <laughs> take off your clothes. I would take off my clothes to be a superhero in a yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. That's where it starts, though. <laughs> yeah, you want to see this? All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're bad. <laughs> yeah. How hard for an actor are you? He would have said, never mind. It's a short film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Hey, that was a short joke. <laughs> 
Uh, or short dick joke. How do they see your dick? Yeah, you're, you're in the next Kevin Smith movie, buddy. You're not <laughs> you're not big enough for Marvel yet. Dang, <laughs> that was pretty big. <laughs> Damn. Um. All right. Uh. Any craziest story from Hollywood you've got for us? Awesome that you can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it, it is crazy because sometimes I'll, I'll think. Is it the yeah. age or the drugs? What's the, it's what's... a little bit crazy. The thing is, <laughs> I, w- I can drive you around LA. Yeah. And I can say, I went in that bathroom and did a blow. I, and I, you I put can have on that. Right, I can, and I can remember where I did drugs. Well, Google Maps has done an amazing <laughs> thing. Let's pull up Google <laughs> yeah. Maps in 3D, please. We have let's LA, go um, cruising down what's your, Hollywood what's Boulevard. Street, right? What do you prefer? Um, but but I Sunset, can't re- Hollywood? but I can't remember some of the people I've interviewed. Um, I can't remember yeah. like some like I, I forgot at one point like you know being in the green room at David Letterman when Vanna was on. Um, wow, you know so all these some some of these things like I can't remember Maps. these things. But um, what's the most expensive car you ever owned? Maps, a uh, Jaguar. A Jaguar. Damn. Were you proud of it? Do you still have it? Did you no, um, it? actually I had. Two. I had one when I was twenty that I bought from someone that that car broke me. I mean, it was it was beautiful, but really? it just it broke me. It <laughs> break down in the parking lot. Um, and then for my fiftieth, when I was eight years sober, uh, my wife and sister gave me a uh, S Type. Nice. It, it was used, mm-hmm. um, and it was like it was a great car, four point two liter, haul ass. Wow. Um, and I had the hardest time accepting that gift like it was a gift you know mm-hmm. it's like why mm-hmm. why would you mm-hmm. and it would it took me a while to kind of i mean it made she cried because i was like why but you needed a car worse than i did you know yeah um, <coughs> i couldn't i couldn't accept just the fact that they love me and right or compliments yeah and i have a hard time with that i so know it's like um so that was probably i mean maybe dollar wise it wasn't we had a flex i mean yeah it's crazy you know like the honda can cost as much as the jaguar so um <laughs> Um, have you forgiven yourself for everything? Probably, but it's still, I still have these conversations in my head all the time. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, mean, I had one driving over here and I was like, dude, just let it go, you know? Yeah, because you know, people have done worse, you know? Well, yeah. And not have, and not recovered. You know those people. Yeah. And it's just, I just, I think it's not that I haven't forgiven myself. It's, mm-hmm. but it's also like, can't dwell on it. Can't dwell on it, but yet I do sometimes, you know. It, it definitely is up here. And yeah, I, I've forgiven myself, but I still did it. Yeah, and it's like, dang, you know, it's, it's frustrating that – and it's not that I'm frustrated that I did it and, and I, my career's not further. It's just, God, man, the people that I hurt and the yeah. things that – the time wasted and all those crazy things. And, you know, the, again, I got puckers, but the people you hurt. You right. Know, and it's, I, think that's, I mean, but I said it before, like, we're all on our own path, right? Yeah. And And if you look at it from a perspective of us, um, I can say I'm proud of the things that I've done in my life, right? But, I mean, man, I would have loved to be in Hollywood and in, in, in that environment and in the entertainment industry and, and doing those things and rubbing shoulders with those people and and the accomplishments too, right? Um that's a path that I would never be on, will never be on in my life, or be able to speak to, right? And, hey, and so it's awesome. You never know. That you, that's you're still young. You, you, yeah, mean? you never know. But yes, but not. I'm, I'm 42. I mean, I'm 40. I'm Dude, 40 I was, as well. I was, I was 42 when I got sober. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, know. and getting to do the things now that, like, 
if I was still getting high, I wouldn't have gotten the reality shows. Yeah. Because if I'd have gone on the road, I would have been out getting high. You know, yeah. Well, what I'm trying to say that is the cocaine is not that good anymore, right? <laughs> so I would never be able to do what you did in the 80s yeah. in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, that's what he meant. That it was though. way cut, man. Oh, really? Shit, By that time? No, I think. Oh, it's always I had cut. To, had to be a little bit pure. It's always cut. Yeah. It's definitely pure. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. If it was pure, you'd die. All right. <laughs> that is true. If it was pure, you'd die. <laughs> if it was pure, you would die. You hear that, podcast? <laughs> you have any questions for us, Chip? What do you guys got next? What who's on? Who's what's coming up? We're lined up for the next five weeks. Um, we we got Devin next week. Devin, Devin comedian, comedian Devin Bellish. Yeah, the one Bellish. that was at uh, the Texan. Yeah, we've got a few comedians lined up, um, and I think we have another produ- um, photographer for the Spurs oh, yeah. and for Ukraine uh, or a yeah. Ukrainian photographer. Yeah, he went and uh, did some shots. Made it out in the Ukraine while the war is going on. Really, he was there while the war was going on. Yeah, yeah. and he's a former photographer for the Spurs or current photographer. I don't know if he's current. He might be current. Oh no, because in the the case I think said mm-hmm. um, Spurs photographer. Goes to Ukraine. Maybe he can bring a spur with him. Yeah. Um, we, we're really leaning heavy into comedy and the entertainment uh, industry in San Antonio. Um, I, I personally feel like this is a, an industry that is starting to thrive. And I think it's kind of because of what's going on in Austin. Um, because there's a lot of, of uh, industry as far as, you know, technology, comedy, and entertainment that's really just buying into Austin. Yeah. Um, and... What we're trying to tell the folks that come on is it's best that like folks get on board and collaborate with each other. And it sounds like in the in the in the movie production industry that mi- there might be it, more collaboration yeah. that goes on. There's uh, from what I could gather at the, at the meetings I've been at and people I've talked to, there are some people that are are collaborating and, and mm-hmm. getting on board. I know there's some people uh, in town that are trying to get a studio mm-hmm. somewhere in town. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the hardest part with San Antonio really becoming like Georgia or like Atlanta right. is the fact it's hard to get to. Your airport's oh, small. Got you. It, there's not a lot of direct flights. Mm-hmm. You got tons of, of hotel space. That's not an issue. Right. Traffic is really most part within a five mile radius of downtown. Not that bad. Yeah. Especially compared to most cities. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of trains. So you got to find something that's out of the way, but it's just getting here is, um, I think the hardest part of really attracting, and, and Texas incentives are pretty good, mm-hmm. and they could be better. How could you draw uh, people here? Uh, one of the ways San Antonio could do, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there, and whoever wants to steal it can steal it. Is write it that write this down. Right. Or steal it, copyright it. And- yeah, it is so in in Columbus, Georgia, when we shot. Electric Jesus, they are Atlanta's the hub, yeah. and and there's a there's a circle outside from the dead point of Atlanta, and if you get outside that circle, mm-hmm. you have to pay per diem. If you've hired a local crew, you got to put them up, you got to you got to house them, and you got to pay them per diem. So Columbus is right outside that circle. Gotcha. And they're like, well, how can we get some of that production here? Mm-hmm. Um, so they they met with the wealthy people in towns. Boatload of money there. They rate this commission raised five million dollars, like in fifteen days. Five hundred one C. 
they now have this film fund mm-hmm. where they will you pitch your script, your budget, your everything, and your distribution plan, how you basically your business plan. If they're interested and they think you got a, a viable script, a viable plan, and a viable distribution deal, they'll invest out of that fund wow. in the film. Wow. So then in Columbus. It gets yeah, it gets paid back to the fund, right? Mm-hmm. Um and they probably helped fund and then they also work with you in town. You have to shoot it there, so they help you stretch your budget in town with hotels right. and all that. If San Antonio mm-hmm. business people would do the same thing, it's yeah. like, oh, you know what, let's raise five, ten million dollars, put in a five oh one C, get a board who understands film. Right. And says, Okay, I think that's a viable script. I think you have a viable plan for distribution with a return. We'll invest. Now we're not going to give you all the money. We only give you like you know ten percent or twenty percent or forty whatever, and we're going to help you in town be ambassador. And, and if you need a cater, maybe we can help you find you a free meal. We'll, we'll help mm-hmm. you. Um, I think that would help bring some feature work. Who was the <clears throat> Who was the individual or individuals that? were behind that in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, I can't remember the name of the company. That's what it's going to take, right? I can't remember the the people's name. I've got their cards. It was Because that's how we did Electric Jesus. We ended up getting Mm -hmm. uh, partial funding from them Mm -hmm. because we were one of the first. We were one of the first people, uh, second people who who got it. Um, And we had previously actually had them vet our script even earlier than that. So, Gotcha. yeah, I think that that type of co-op, you know, and collaboration is is important. Um, but also people supporting each other, yeah. the city. Um, it seems like you know we get we get addicted to the rat race because you know a lot of these people come from the corporate world, and then they they say, "Well, I'm entertaining. I want to be entertainment um, in the entertainment world," but they get caught up in the rat race. And if if you're it's doing tough, great, man. then I'm not going to be doing great. And that's not true, you know? And so that's what we're trying to bring people on, to, especially in entertainment and comedy, is to kind of just have conversations and bring them together. And, yeah. you know, we don't we don't have any, any sort of reach yet, yeah. right? But if we have conversations and, and spark something, you know, um, perhaps we can help push this along in yeah. some little way. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to constantly work on a lot of shorts for free for anybody. Yeah. You know, or podcasts. Our podcast. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> like a, there's a point where you kind of I got to make some money. Mm-hmm. Um I can't I can't work hard 5 days in a row and every weekend do a free project. Right. You know, at some point my family's going to suffer, mm-hmm. my health is going to suffer, my it, trust me, those four shorts, mm-hmm. chess player, lucha. Right. I'm in the red. Yeah. I mean, no, in the end, they end up costing me out of my pocket. It's like, oh, because I want to go into film festivals, right? Now I've yeah. got to go to the film festival if I really want to participate. It's not in the budget, right. you know? So it's coming out of my pocket in the end. And my wife's like, no more till you make some money. Is that, <laughs> so, but the goal to to be at those festivals and, and winning um, awards, is it for the accolades or is it for that next step? It's a little of both. It's I mean, a little both? Film festivals are great ego. Mm-hmm. Boosters, boosters yeah. most of them. Um, so you got to pay for your trophy. Well, that's <laughs> <not> cool. <laughs> you know, that, so you go to a film festival, and it's like if you, it's one place you're actually going to get to see your short film in front of a live mm-hmm. audience. Um, you know, they're all on, online, but yeah, how am I going to see an? I want the audience. I'm, I don't go to the film festival. Yeah, I look at film festivals that have, that have an audience. I mean, it's great to go to one where there's a bunch of filmmakers. We're going, hey, aren't we great? You know, mm-hmm. what's your next project? Right. Yeah. I'd rather 
have 10 filmmakers and 400 people afterwards going, hey, I love that movie. Man. Can you tell me more about the character? And why, mm-hmm. why did you shoot that? You know, Because they're film audience. Yeah. And there's several that I, that I attend a lot that are like that. Gotcha. And I've been to some where it's like, oh, this is going to be great because it's in L.A. or it's here. And there's like 10 people, mm-hmm. you know, and there's other filmmakers. And then we're all just trying to scratch to find something different. So mm. you do it for that reason. You also do it hoping that you will get work. I've, I've gotten a lot of our actors have gotten other work because people have seen them in our shorts at a festival. Mm-hmm. They go, oh, I'm making a feature. Reach out to Danny Vincent or reach out to Danielle Detwilder or reach out to so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Our DPs have gotten work. Our grips have gotten work. Our yeah. director's been asked to do stuff. So that's why you do it too is awesome. – and, and you're looking for investors. you got someone going, hey, I love that. What do you got next? Well, I got this feature. What's it going to cost? This is what it's going to cost. I'm in or I let me introduce you to someone. What else are you passionate about? I love to surf when I'm at the ocean. I don't. Yeah, I, Fort I, Worth I, or I, Waco has an amazing wave pool. Uh, Waco does. Waco, right? Yeah, I hadn't been there yet. Yeah. Uh, I like to play golf poorly. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I enjoy a good cigar now and then. Cool. Um, and that's you know just hanging out with my wife. That's awesome. You happy? Ninety percent. Okay, eighty percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's other times where, you know, it's like. I'm, it's just one of those days. Sometimes you're not. You know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter how hard you try. Some days you just don't. It's just it. life. It's life, man. Yeah. That's what it's about. Hey, you know, if, if you plug to a heart monitor and it's doing this, right? You're alive. You're damn right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So if anybody says it's, I want it to be smooth, it means you want to be dead. I want some ups and downs. Right. Dude. It is, that is, a, yeah. Hundred percent. Great quote right there. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. You know, the I, I mean, I do think of it that way. That the ups and downs. You know, that's what I tell my kids all the time. You know, you can't. You don't want school to be hard. You know, I'm sorry. I think that goes part to. of that goes back to the culture of canceling. Yeah. Of everything is like we, we, everybody's got to be happy. It's like, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. And and the fact is, life is hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And right. if you don't let your kid lose at a ba- baseball game or a basketball game or mm-hmm. if it's like, oh, here's your trophy. It's like you can't – someone gets fired today, oh, my God, right. they go get a gun and start shooting. Yeah. It's like you get a fight, you, you go get a gun. Dude, I got my ass whipped a lot in mm-hmm. high school. You yeah. know what? I'd say I give and the fight would stop. Yeah. You know? And I didn't go to the car and go get a gun. And trust me, there were guys with right. – with, Exactly. With rifles in the back of the windshield of the pickup truck who'd been hunting that morning in the parking lot. Right. Had a gun. We, we just didn't go shoot didn't everybody. Go get it. Right. Yeah. You, you know what? You got your ass whipped. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. You know, I got offended. Done. Yes. <laughs> like, I'll, you know? I'll go home, cry a little bit, and then get over it. Yeah. yeah. You and know, come and back next like, week for the next week's podcast. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think that's part of what we were saying. It's like, you know, people don't, I can't, I can't let my kids' life be hard. Yes. It's like, well, then your kid's going to be a brat and going to not understand how to live. Right. Because, man, it, you think it, you think everything's easy. Mm-hmm. Wait some of the stuff coming down the pike. Yep. You're going to experience some hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the exact conversation that I, I just had with my, my son's mom because we had an instance of bullying. And, and you know, a, a pattern of bullying, you have to get, get ahead of that, right? But an instance of bullying is, uh, is an opportunity for our son to get stronger. Yeah. And to understand how to deal with difficult people because they're going to be in, in your everyday life. 
and um, they it's needed. It's character building. Yeah. You know, when they fall off their bikes, that's character building. That's making them stronger. And if you freak out, then yeah. You know. Well, kids, I tell this thing with this. They're saying like, if you don't let kids do something dangerous cautiously, mm-hmm. which they will usually do, mm-hmm. they're never going to learn. Right. So if you see your kid climbing up the outside of the stair rail, mm-hmm. you can't run and rescue. You can be ready to catch, mm-hmm. but you got to give them the chance to get to the top. So they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's because they're, they're cautious they're, they're being cautious they're not just right. like Whoa. they're learning they're yeah. learning but we're also yeah. living with our trauma right and we're like oh, I know what I've been through I know what hurt me I don't want them to yeah. because as parents you don't want them to have any of that hardship well, in, in your heart my son's 23 yeah and he was in a fraternity in college mm-hmm. and we went to the frat lots mm-hmm. which was a giant party mm-hmm. he's on his own journey yeah he knows my story we've had conversations right He's got to learn. He's going to learn. He's either going to learn how to, that he's going to be an alcoholic or he's going to learn to drink like a gentleman or he's going to, at some point, but he's got to take those, those lessons on his own. What do you mean, gentlemen? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you'll watch our other podcast and you'll find yeah, out what that you, question You weren't like, um, you know, pops would have been three rails in already. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're waiting for, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm here because I'll leave. No, I I I I feel you on that. I have a 21 year old, and he's he does so much better in life than I would have ever done at 21. And I I ask him, you know, because I I raised him, but I didn't teach him all this shit, you know, because I yeah. struggled. The lights got turned off, the water got turned off, my Jeep got evicted, or my Jeep got repoed, and I got evicted. And he saw all of that, right? Yeah. But he doesn't. He he's better for it. Yeah, you know. And it was negative examples, but it was still an example of you know how to do better in life and. Yeah. So and he doesn't remember the, the super negative parts, but he right. but he does remember, oh, dad went to meetings every mm-hmm. every Wednesday he was there and every and he was at games. So he he does know that part of it. Yeah. So that and I and I keep saying, look, dude, look at your genes. Mm-hmm. Between your mom and I, we mm-hmm. had a lot of fun. So and look back at your grandparents and this and that. And, right. and so he, I think he's aware whether he will be I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's his, again, he's on, I can't stand there beside him and every monitor, everything is like, you've have, he has right. to learn all that on his own. Yeah. You can't you hover. Know, I'm throwing, I'm throwing them at him now. It's like, do you go get your truck title changed mm-hmm. and the tags renewed. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it for you right. again. <laughs> go. Yeah. So, got to become so, a Can we have you back on when you're ready to drop your new project? Absolutely. I'll come back anytime. Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I Beautiful. wanted to hear. I can't wait to have you back on. Uh, Chip, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, My we, pleasure. We really appreciate you. Play us out, Rocks, with some Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi. My son loved Kid Cudi. Because that's all we want to do, man. Awesome. Or our pursuing <laughs> happiness. Woo! It's crazy. It's sad. It's bad.